Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas de Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leading Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas. Hey, we apologize. We weren't on last week. Um, just a lot of shit came up and stuff. So uh, we'll get to all of that. Don't worry about it. But we got a special guest with us right now on the top of the hour here of Leading the Ring with myself and my co-host, Emil Carr. We got Kristen Kalkrew, who's a prospect cruise cruiserweight from Golden Boy. Hey, man, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. You know... So far, we've been watching you for quite some time, you know, just like everybody else, you know, the whole world. Everybody's going to tell you, we've been watching you, you know, so you can consider us a couple of stalkers. And the only reason why we've been watching you so closely is because we're hardcore boxing fans here, you know. Let me ask you this, man. Before we get into the whole boxing talk, okay, I'm going to tell you one of my stories about paintballing. You can hear me, but, uh, no, I can hear you. We can hear you I pretty good. Here. Can you hear him, Emil Carr? There's a little I'm bit of a, of a delay, I think. But I can yeah. hear you now, too. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm no sorry. Word. What was the question? I had so, some problems. So, Mike, my, my, before we get into the whole boxing talk with you, uh, because I'm a, I'm big on that paintballing myself. I'm not very good. Unless you put me in with, like, five-year-olds and eight-year-olds, dude, where I was, like, eliminating all these little kids, right? And they were all, like, they all teamed up on me and stuff. But let me ask you, are you are you one of the pro ones where, like, you're, like the finger, like, you barely touch it and the paintballs just start flying out real crazy? Or do you go on the, like, you know, semi-pro guys section? Well, uh, it's, it's hard to say because I'm, I'm a rookie, but I got the high-tech stuff, you know? So I could kind of, I could do the trigger finger, you know? I got I got nice gear. But at the same time, you know, I'm still learning. I'm playing with the, the people that's been there for years. Now, are you wearing the whole jumpsuit and everything? Or are you just going out there with, like, regular t? Because I made the mistake of going out there with just, like, sweats, which was stupid. Because I ended up, like, having these big old welts on my legs. And, and then I had, like, a regular T-shirt and stuff. I got all scratched up. Because, you know, when, when, I, when I heard about it, right? When I heard about it, I was like, okay. It was, I thought it was, like, laser tag or something, right? Then I get out there, and, I, dude, I saw guys, like, camoed out. Like, there was literally a lot of people that were really into this. You know what I mean? Like, they had teams. People have been doing it, like, career-wise type of uh, 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 folks that were out there to paintball. Well, uh, you know, it's kind of reversed to me. You know, I, I came out there with a whole bunch of gear, and uh, and it hurts. You know, it's not it's not like a little laser tag. No, it, it, them paintballs hurt. And, you know, once I started playing a lot, I kind of – it started getting – the stuff I started wearing started kind of getting hot. So I kind of loosened up the clothes because I was kind of already used to the the getting hit by a paintball. So now I just go out there with sweats and, a you know, long sleeve shirt and with, with a vest over it. And I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm good to go. I, I know the weather out there. I mean, if you're playing out there, Texas weather is completely different from California weather, man. So, you know, the heat yeah. is just like scorching down on you, man. Um, what do you think is more – what, what what have you found about paintballing where you kind of compare it? Because I know you play basketball, football, and, you know, boxing is obviously the, the thing you've kind of, you know, embraced and you're trying to make a whole, whole complete career out of it. But do you rank paintballing up there 
in terms of like you have to have I know you have to have eye coordination and athleticism. Is it is it up there along that type of uh, intensity? You mean like towards towards the other sports? Yes. Yeah, it is. But me, I just play for fun. But I went to I went that this little area in the back where all the pro, the pros play, and man, they just they're they're active. Like they they don't stop shooting until the match is over, and they move. And I'm like, that's a whole nother level. But I, I just yeah. play with. I have a group that I go to, and we just you know shoot around a little bit. We play, but I mean, you you do you definitely have to have skills to to do paintball. Now you don't have that mentality, the competitive mentality, where like if you lose. You're just like, God damn it, I got to do better. I mean, uh, most of the time when somebody's athletic, like it, it's always they got to have, you know, they got to have the best moments of the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, I am competitive, but I remember the first time I went, I had like the suckiest gun and I didn't even know I had the suckiest gun. And it was just <laughs> like, the bullets, when I shot, I I, I was aiming perfectly at the, at the target. I remember I had this dude like just pinned down and every time I would shoot, the bullets were curved. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to get mad at myself because I just need to get a new gun. But now I got like a gun, we call it XLS Shocker, and it's a, it's a nice, reliable gun, so I'm good to go. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a really fun game, definitely. Go ahead, Emilcar. No, that's awesome, Tristan. And uh, it's good to see that you have kind of an outlet outside of boxing that can kind of keep you active and competitive because obviously you can't just do boxing 24-7, 365. Although right. you have dedicated yourself to the sport, uh, really at a at a young age. Um, can you tell us a little bit and our, our community a little bit about how you got into boxing and how you ended up doing something that a lot of middle school and high school boxing fans wish they could do, which was actually pro boxing while you were in high school? Well, I got into boxing when I was around eight and nine years old, you know, and I tried many sports before, like basketball, um, soccer, football, and I don't know, just something about combat sports where, like, it was just, you know, I was real interested in. I don't know if it's just that you could, that's the only place where you could, you know, get at somebody and, nah, I'm just fine, <laughs> but, but it, it's just something, <laughs> that, <laughs> something that, something about, about boxing, I like combat sports, and it was between karate and boxing, and I had to make a choice, and I was like, I just felt like boxing was just way harder. Hey, I got, reason. I got, I gotta ask, I gotta ask this just really quick. If, if, when you're playing basketball or even like paintballing, does it ever just kind of go in the back of your head, going like, you know what, you, you know what, Matt, if we weren't doing this part, I could punch you in the face and I can end all the competitivism <laughs> here. I, I'm the best at this one here. You're, you're lucky. You're lucky we're not in the ring. Has that ever went through your head? <laughs> uh, I, I know where you're coming from, and it, yeah, I think it has. You know, okay. I know. I remember when I first started playing, and I was just getting tagged up because I had no, you know, no experience. I'm like, and I first, and I first in my head, I was like, man, like, cause they were so good on the field. I'm like, man, I this this I know this isn't my sport. I know I know I belong in the ring, so I ain't even trip. <laughs> right. So eight years old, you start boxing, and oh, right. Uh, right, you you're yeah. in elementary school. I guess so. How how does how do you go from an eight year old that started in boxing? I'm guessing you had your parents' support to where you oh. are now, which is a young prospect uh, rising up the cruiserweight ranks. Definitely, you know, I was I had a strong foundation, and take my hats off to my parents. Uh, they're always there for me. 
and they're the reasons why I'm here where I am today. But, um, you know, it's just staying dedicated. I stay dedicated. You know, my pops, he he wanted me to run from his mistakes. And he said that one mistake he made was trying multiple sports, you know, all these different sports. And and uh, I just stayed dedicated to boxing. Uh, my, my pops, when I was around 14, 15, I started winning. I won my first uh, national USA national title. And ever since then, I've been, you know, just going up and up. And that's when uh, it was, was it? It was around 2018, I believe, where I was 17 and you had to be 18. I was caught right in between turning, uh, going to the Olympics or being able to qualify for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like, you know, I had at that time I had 92. I was 92 and nine. That was my amateur record. And I was like, you know, I talked with my team and, and I was like, uh, you know, I have a, I have a, a good skill set, have uh, enough experience, and let's take this into you know the pros. And that's when we got we got uh, we got with Lester Bedford, which is my manager, and and uh, Ronnie Shields, which trained Mike Tyson, Vander Holyfield, and Pernell Work and Pernell Whitaker, and also trains Jamal Charlo today. Yeah, and I think he he trained. Um... Uh, uh, the Cuban as well out, out there in, yeah, in Texas. Yeah, yeah, Rosario Lara. So, as an amateur, you were fighting. I guess at the tail end of your amateur career is what a light heavyweight, a, a, a heavyweight, ninety-one kilos. What was your weight class? Uh, I guess. I think it was eighty-one kilos. I think or something like that. It was uh, it was light heavyweight. Yeah, all right. Eighty-one's light heavyweight. Right, ninety-one's heavyweight in, in the amateur game. Awesome. So now you're rising up the cruiserweight ranks. Um, people are starting to notice you. you've been on TV a few times. You've been on some big cards. What are your goals, uh, immediate goals and the kind of long-term goals in the sport? Well, my my short-term goal is to get to 10 and 0. That's my short-term goal, you know. So all we're focused on is my short-term goal. And, then, you know, obviously, you know, my, life, my long-term goal is to eventually get to the bigger fights and, you know, stack 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 on you know as much experience as i can and eventually uh get to a a world championship fight you know i know you mentioned i i i know you mentioned your dad and your dad obviously had a a big influence and stuff um just really quick what caught my eye with you was your name my son name my son's name is also tristan okay and oh, he was all, yeah, he was also competing in the amateurs as well until he decided that he didn't want to, you know, uh, move forward with it. But let me ask you about your dad, because obviously he's the one to introduce you to this. What was some of his fighters that your father looked up to and 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 kind of try to mold you into being? Uh, that's a good that's a good question. I know one of one of the fighters that my pops liked the most was Sugar Ray Robinson. Yes. And I believe Sugar Ray Robinson was a heavyweight, if I'm not mistaken. But it's hard to tell because compared to the heavyweights today and the ones, you know, in the past, are, they're way different in size. But Sugar, Sugar Ray Robinson was, I could say, would, would, it was one of the fighters I really started watching first. And uh, I was like, after watching him fight, I kind of wanted to get into boxing. And that's where, you know, my pops – had a had a friend which his cousin owned a gym called rock boxing academy and those were one of the the first gyms i went to 
I know you were kind of, because uh, I've heard a few of your interviews, and I know you guys would, even your dad would mention the Virgil Ortiz. Um, why, 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 why this, why this so much respect? I mean, is it, and I know you guys have mentioned his work ethic and all that, but, uh, um, and you guys even said that you guys want to model yourself and how much this guy puts into the sport, you know, but what, what really honestly caught your guys' attention about Virgil Ortiz from the beginning? Well, well, you know, Virgil, I always been, you know, always seen Virgil, you know, growing up in the amateurs and I was a little bit younger. He was a little bit older by the time, uh, I, by the time I was getting into boxing, he was, you know, he was already fighting in national, he already had national titles and stuff like that. So I'll always see him, I'll always see him in tournaments and stuff like that. And, uh, and he was a beast, you know, and I remember the first time I saw him, like actually rock somebody was in, or drop him was in golden gloves. And I'm like, man, this dude's a beast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we've been to his gym multiple times and we've seen him work, work out, spar. And, you know, and he works, he, he works hard, you know, he trains hard. And uh, we actually came from the same high school. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, we actually came out of the same high school. Man, Did you, you talk about motivation. That's a, that's a good way of keeping, keeping you motivated when you see somebody, one of your peers come out from the same spot. I'm sorry, Milkar, go ahead. I was just going to ask, because I know that Virgil was a standout cross-country runner in his, in his high school. Would you run cross-country as well, Tristan? No, <laughs> I don't like. I, I don't it's like a track. tough sport. It's a tough sport. <laughs> yeah, track. Um, track is a track is a really tough sport. It's tough. You got to be in you know top top shape for that. I did, yeah, I did some form of uh, track running back in my days in middle car, but we called it beer uh, beer run. <laughs> don't do that, Tristan. Don't don't ever go that route. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, the one thing uh, that's got a lot of people excited about you, Tristan, is that the cruiserweight division has not really uh, been noticed as much as I think it should have um, in the United States. I think it's all been a really action-packed uh, division. It's really what the heavyweight division used to be 20, 25 years ago, if you look at the weights of the fighters who do you kind of look up to right now in in the cruiserweight uh, division? Kind of who do you see as the top standout guys, guys that you'd like to be um, up there with, you know, in, in years to come? You know, it's it's hard because you know there's not there's not really that many cruiserweight champions that you know are in you know United States. Most of them are in Europe, you know, cross seas, right? Things like that. So, but I mean, man, that's, that's a hard question. I need to do I need I need to do more of my research. <laughs> right. I mean, the recent guys obviously have been uh, Usyk who stepped up. Um, I've always been high on uh, Maris Bradis. Um, I, I used to be really high on the on the KO Doctor Dordicos out of Cuba. Um, but they're a oh, lot yeah. of exciting. Yeah. I know that guy. And, he, has, uh, he has he has a good right hand. He has a good right hand. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me just bring up a question from one of the members of, of our community here in the chat. Um, my man Nando asks, uh, is competing at heavyweight a future goal of yours? Um, Ronnie, Ronnie, uh, he, he thinks I'll eventually be a heavyweight. You know, my, my team, you know, last year thinks I'll also be a heavyweight. So 
me and you know i'm just going through the process right now <laughs> absolutely I, I, no need to watch it yeah i've been to see about in you know three maybe three four years i see i'll be uh i'll be competing in heavyweight I like right, the well there have been uh, so go ahead dave i was gonna say i like the fact that you mentioned earlier you know your goal like short-term goal and long-term goal i think that's the right way of going going through you know a, a process because you know you got to reach something first and then you then you set the bar higher and higher and higher and stuff uh clay stevenson says what's up tristan uh this is clay stevenson sh uh shouting out at you you know um What's going on, Clay? You know, when you're, you know, first off, Ronnie Shields, man, I got to say, I've interviewed him a lot of times. He's been on the show plenty of times. I've met up with him in person. Uh, he's really an underrated trainer. Like, he doesn't get the credit that he should be getting. And he's worked with a lot of world champions. Uh, and, you know, one of his one of his top guys at the time uh, in the early 2000s was a guy by the name of uh, Thomas Adamick, who he trained and helped out to defeat Kristen Nightmare Oriella, who didn't look like, you know, Thomas had a chance, you know. So he obviously is a guy that's going to point you in the right direction and stuff. But let me ask you about, but what what are the, some of the jewels that he's passing on to you? I mean, do you guys sit and watch any fight tape? What, what are like, what is the day with Ronnie Shields when, you, when you're starting up the day with him to get prepared? Well, so normally... Like for existence, for for saying you know my pro debut, we went down there about three four days in a week, and then we'll come back train, and then we'll go back there. We'll go back down there again, and you know when we go to Ronnie's gym, it's straight work. You know, it's not like super strict or like you know you can have fun and stuff, but it's like the energy is different than going to you know a gym that you know has amateurs and you know kids in it, which it's not a bad thing, but it's just the energy at Ronnie's is, you know, straight work. And I feel like that's, to me personally, that's the type of energy I need to, you know, keep proceeding and keep, you know, getting better and better each day. You know, there's um, there's uh, there's people I spar there. You know, there's a cruiserweight, uh, you know, F.A. Tobar. He's actually ranked. He's a ranked cruiserweight. And, you know, we give each other great work. And I learned a lot from sparring him. And... And it's just, uh, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie, he, he simplifies boxing, you know, he keeps it simple and effective, you know, the things, the things he teaches me are effective. And it's just about me personally, it's just about getting better each camp, you know, each camp I go, right. each fight I go in something new. You know, I remember you mentioning uh, that the locker room is a pretty lonely place, you know, but then Ronnie kind of does some stuff to get your, cause you were so nervous on your pro debut. All but, right. You know, but when we think about yeah. father and son trainers, you know, which I think it was really big of your dad to go, you know what we need in order for us to, to excel and move to the next uh, uh, part of your career, we got to look out for further advice. And I think it's really courageous for him to actually, you know, uh, admit that and, and move on with that. But is who's the biggest critic in, in, in your circle when it is it I know you're going to say it's you but I mean outside of that is your dad your biggest critic is he like somebody that it's he's very tough to satisfy or does Shawnee has Ronnie shown that kind of sign of him being a biggest critic to you well you know I gotta I gotta put first because you know I remember one time I sparred and I just felt like the man you know I just feel like the man I was doing my thing and you know everybody was giving me praise stuff like that and then we went home. He was like, mm, you know, your jab, like, you know, you're dropping your jab. 
and you know right. you drop your right hand when you throw and so i was like man i thought you know what else you want me to do you know i thought i did everything right today you know so i said my pops and definitely ronnie you know when you know it's it's very rare that ronnie compliments me you know and stuff so when he gives you a, like compliment you know you know that he really means it like uh let's say my last fight uh-huh. he said that i have one of the 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 best left hooks in the game the first 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 uh first compliment i ever heard from ronnie i was shocked <laughs> but yeah uh he he keeps it real you know ronnie keeps it real with you and you know it definitely is sparring he will like if i'm if i'm not doing something right he won't sugarcoat it you know he'll right. go straight he'll give me the straight answer you know i need to pivot i need to use my legs more i need to pop my jab more so those are my my two biggest cr- critics right there Who's your medium? Like, who's the one that balances it all out? You know, um, we haven't heard much about about moms, or I don't know if you have any other, if you have any other siblings. Like, who's the person that balances it out for you, where they kind of bring you back to ground? I say my mom. You know, my mom. My mom's the the like we like we like to say is the mama. But she always has, <laughs> she always has our side. You know, even. Even if we're wrong in a conversation or anything, she'll she'll defend us. <laughs> That's how normally how it goes, man. <laughs> Definitely. How does she feel about you boxing though? You know, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure mom did she go to your events? I mean, is she or is she like your biggest cheerleader? Oh yeah, she's she's definitely my biggest cheerleader. And I could see at first she was kind of like, uh, this, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea. Cause like, you know, you gotta, you gotta put yourself in, in a, a mother's mindset, you know, who wants to see their, you know, their kid take punches and, you know, fight, right. <laughs> you know? Right. And uh, it was a little bit nervous at first, but you know, once I started getting, you know, winning more and getting more experience and I started taking off and she, you know, she likes it now. <laughs> she, she likes, she likes watching me fight and she's been there since day one. That's awesome. Amilcar? Yeah. Um, really, I, that, that's, I was asking the chat if they had uh, more questions for you, but um, I, I'm guessing your plan is to stay focused and to stay put in Texas, right? I know a lot of people move around. Um, um, yes, what, sir, definitely. Your, yep, you're happy yes. with the sparring and the training out there, right? Yes, definitely. That's uh, That's one of the things that my manager Lester Bedford mentioned to me that he wanted me to be built, you know, in my hometown, Dallas, you know, Duncanville, that in around that area. Like basically how how they built, you know, Errol Spence. And I, I I think that's a good idea, you know, because I don't me personally, I don't want to step out of step out of my environment, you know, my foundation, what what got me to where I'm at. You know, so I just feel like I should just build up here and just keep keep uh keep you know keep stacking the blocks and keep you know getting that experience and you know eventually open up my own gym and i think it'll all work out that's awesome man i got i got one more question for you tristan um you know obviously golden boy hasn't really produced or or really worked with guys that are in the cruiserweight or even in the heavyweights i could be wrong but right now off the top of my head i can't remember and standout name that they've worked with and pushed and promoted. Um, what is the plan? Is this something that's discussed with you, or th- is this something that you're going just through the motions and the process, and you're just dependent on 
on them making the right decisions with with you or or do, do you and your dad have a plan? Have you guys sat with each other and said, okay, this is what Golden Boy said they're going to do and how they're going to maneuver us into the rankings and into the eyes to the public? Uh, of course, you know, one of our plans, you know, when we sat down and we looked at the contract before we signed the contract and actually my pops is on here. I saw that right now. I was like, Sean, yeah. what's up, brother? How you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one of our things when we sat down was, uh, and, and Golden Boy, you know, told told us and my team that the way they wanted me to build me was like the, the old school legendary fighters, you know, fights, you know, fighting, you know, a bunch of times, you know, seven, seven, you know, seven fights per year. Their, you know, the first couple of years, you know, getting them experience, you know, stacking up, stacking up the fights. And that's, that's uh, where we're at now, you know, unfortunately COVID hit, but I feel like Golden Boy, you know, got, got boxing back on track and, you know, we're, we're, we're back, you know, we're back where we left off, you know, and it's, it's a real good plan. You know, that's my goal. That's what I want to do mm-hmm. is to keep, keep gaining that knowledge, keep gaining that experience. And me personally, most experience that I gain is really not from when I fight. It's from when I'm putting work into the gym and, and into sparring, you know, sparring these older cats that's, you know, had about 15 fights, 20 fights. And uh, it helps me prepare, you know, for, you know, tough fights, you know, that, that are laid out in the future, you know. And one thing that my pops told me is that I have to train. doesn't matter who I fight, I have to train every camp that I, like, I'm trained for a world champion. And that's that's just been my mind, my mindset. In our chat room right now, uh, Nato's asking, uh, does Tristan enjoy watching boxing? And who is your favorite current fighters at the moment? Uh, of course, you know, um, my coaches, my, my coaches and my dad, they actually send me videos to, to study because, you know, to be honest, if they don't send me videos, I probably, you know, you know, probably be, you know, kicking with my friends or something and not, you know, but that I, I, you know, that's a good thing that my, my coaches are sending me videos like that. And I go back and study them and my, first thing I say, one of my old, you know, school fighters that I like of all time is Winky Wright. I like his, his oh, style. Yeah. Winky Wright, he was, he was, you know, steady, uh, breaking people down. I, I like that type of style. And currently I would say, um, I'll say, I was, currently I say Jamal Charlo. It's one of my, my favorite fighters, Jamal Charlo and Canelo. Yeah. Those are good. Uh, those are two really good current fighters right now that are, you know, uh, creating a huge buds and, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, we see one of the Charlos get in with Canelo. Um, I got okay. So I got this one last question that popped into my head. Okay, go ahead. Like we talked about, boxing is a very, very lonely sport. But it's but you know, I think the 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 majority of the sport is a mental thing. You know, and a lot of the mental is the is the confidence of doing certain things in the ring. What is one thing that you just don't feel like you don't feel you completely have grasped yet? in your repertoire of, of what you bring in the ring? Like, what do you feel like is lacking and that you still haven't got over the hump on? So, say that question again. What's, what, what part of when you're in, tra- in training, what, like what part of your training that you feel you haven't mastered yet? 
you know, because like I said, it's a lonely sport. So a lot of times it's your mind that has to conquer what you lack in that ring. So what do you feel right. that you're lacking at this moment that you feel that you need to bring up in order to, to, to move up in those ladders of the elites? Well, uh, like you said, you know, boxing is, you know, a really immense sport and it's crazy what you could do, you know, with your mind, what you could do with your body once you get your mind to, you know, cooperate, you know, what you want to do. Like, and for me, it's, I say running, you know, <laughs> running is, is kind of tough because, you know, you're running by yourself and then you're thinking about a lot of stuff, you know, when I hit, when I get to three miles, I'm thinking about, you know, quitting, thinking about, I hear all them little voices in my head, you know, telling me, you know, my body's tired. And I use that, that, you know, me pushing through that. I use that in the ring, you know, and, and sparring and, you know, strength condition. I take that everywhere I go, you know, because if you could push through while you're running and while you're, you know, working out, you could do that in the ring. Right. That's true. You so know, what's me, cr crazy about that is that I remember when the HBO 24 seven crew used to have that, uh, that program, that segment. And uh, I would go out there and cover, go to the gyms, and they would be there. Every time I'd walk into these gyms, whoever, whoever the fight was uh, about, they were there. And the producers always said they would put their money on the guy that did the most road work because it seemed like they were the ones that would win the fight. And I was like, how do you know who did the most road work? And he said, because 80% of the film that we were taking or filming was of these guys doing road work. Yep. So they say... Yeah, they say hard work beats talent when talent don't work. That's so right. I know I got talent and I know I got uh I I, I know I'll put in that work. So <laughs> there you go, man. Well, here you go. Hey, you're obviously a, a student of the game to be dropping a winky right uh you know statement there as one of the guys you look oh, up yeah. to because not not a lot of people your your age would be would be quoting um or, or mentioning winky right. One last question for you. Sorry, go ahead, Tristan. Go ahead. I, I, I told you, man, my, my coaches be making sure I, I do my studying. <laughs> there you go. So we got one last question from you, uh, from Clay Stevenson here. Um, says, hey, Tristan, Texas has a lot of nice amateur talent. Which current fighters in Texas should we watch out for when they turn pro? So, like, come, obviously coming up from the amateurs, right? Uh... Mm-hmm. He said it again. I said uh, Clay hit you with the hard question there. Yeah, he, he he did. I have to think about that. I have to think about it. Oh, uh, you know, because it's hard. I can't think of a good amateur because you know, not not any amateur fights been going on since right, COVID. Right. All right, well, you know, we'll come back. We'll come yeah, back to yeah. that one another time, bro. It's no big deal. Hit, you got me that one. <laughs> I didn't get you. Clay got you. Clay got you. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Tristan. Hey, bro, it was great having you on, man. Enjoyed having you on here. And uh, look forward to the rest of your fights. Tell your pops we said what's up here on Leading the Ring. And can't wait to have you back on again, man. Awesome. Yeah, Sean, Sean uh, Cal Krupp says the Jenkin twins. I'm sure you've heard of them. Oh yeah, yeah, the twins. Thanks, thanks, oh, thanks. You, thanks. Gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta alley oop there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, the twins. Yeah, they, you know, 
you know, I've been with them, uh, you know, since I was young and I even fought one of them. They're, I believe they're walking around 132. And, you know, yeah, they put in a lot of work and I believe they're on the come up. That's what's up. So shout out to, shout out to the Jenkins twins. <laughs> there you there go. You go. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing a lot more of you and uh, we hope to see you big, big waves in the cruiserweight division, young man. And we're very happy to have had you on here. Thank you so much. Thank y'all. There you go. Well, man, um, really promising kid, man. Good, good attitude. I, I, you know, you know what? You know what I like most when I get to, and, and you know, and you. I've said this a few times on Leaving the Ring where I don't, or maybe I haven't brought this up. I, I like, I really honestly don't like doing interviews anymore, and I tell you why. Because a lot of times, especially prospects, they don't have a lot to say. You know, like nobody grooms them and to how to speak to the media or speak to the fans. This is kind of like a lost art. Like, you know, like Motown had it, di- you know, down to the dial of how to get their artists to look, to, to behave, how to speak to, to the crowds and to media. And this kid is just like a natural. He came on and he's smiling and he's having a good time. Not only is he having a good time with his career, uh, you know, in the in the pro rankings of boxing, which is very difficult to do because you're getting punched in the face for a living. But he comes on here and you can see the kids full of life. And that's just that's that's just a great sign that he was being he's being raised right by his parents. So kudos to Sean as well and his mom. And uh, man, look forward to big things for Tristan. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, one thing we didn't get into, but we talked about it with, with Tristan before he went on air was that he's still pursuing his his education and he. Right. Really, uh, really thinks that uh, the education, uh, well, education is is essential, which it is. And I'm not just saying that as a teacher. I'm saying that because it's true, man. You gotta you gotta work on that education while you're working on other things in life. Absolutely. But, uh, but Dave, between me, you, and the great questions we get from the chat, I'm I'm looking forward to a lot more interviews, bro. So keep these keep these guys coming, man, because I I love to. To see guys when they're at this stage of their career, I only hope they remember us when they're carrying those titles <laughs> and, uh, and, are, and are the big time guys as world champs. Well, they better remember us. We've been here for like 14 years, you know, uh, doing this podcast, and uh, we were just this is what our second year back on YouTube. Go on, no, this is our first year back on YouTube. Um, yes. A lot of stuff to talk about here on Leaving. I got off the phone earlier. I was telling the Milkar this. Um, we are mm-hmm. we are talking to uh, Sebastian Fondora. He's going to be coming on with his dad, Freddie. Was talking to Freddie. They're back in the training because they got a fight happening in March. They're going to get that fight that COVID nineteen knocked out of the park, out of the way for them, which was the Kota fight. Um, they're going to go in the ring in March with Kota and finally get that fight. You know, which is a really good move for them. It moves them up towards an IBF title. He was saying. So uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, you know. Um, Getting them on and stuff, you know. Other interviews too. Got other interviews that we're trying to line up. Um, I had to like dig deep and like, okay, because the fact is, is I can't be selfish. My partner here wants to interview guys, and a lot of the guys in the living ring rotation want to interview guys. So got to bring that up and do that and stuff. So, uh, but I had a good time interviewing Tristan. I got to tell you that I had a really good time interviewing him um, because I like interviewing guys. Like if we're just sitting across and just BSing. You know, not like, you know, trying to take it too serious or trying to give it too hard or nothing or whatnot, you know. Absolutely. And I, I also like the fact that you uh, started off by asking him, you know, what he does outside of the ring. And in this case, it was a uh, paintball. 
So I love paintballing, bro. I'm not very good. You know, <laughs> you know what happened? I met a guy once who had like these welts all over his like arms and legs. I'm like, yo, how'd you get those? He's like paintball. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know if I want to do that. But yeah, uh, maybe I it's did. something I'll look I, I'm going to tell you a funny story here really quick, and then we'll talk boxing here. There's a lot of stuff for us to talk about. We got to play catch up mm-hmm. since we didn't, we weren't on last week and stuff. But So my kids really got into it because we live here in the Valley. There's a lot of uh, paintball in sites that you can go to. So I was like, cool, man. You know, I'm an inner city kid. Didn't really do that. We were trying to dodge bullets, you know. So it wasn't like I was like immediately trying to get back into something where I got to dodge something else, okay. Um, <laughs> but I was like, okay, let me go. And then when you get up there, there's a there's the pro, semi pro, and then there's the the newbies. Okay, so my kids at the time were like I don't know, like eight or ten. I, I don't really remember how old. This is this is like right when we moved over here to uh, Modesto, California, and um, we got in there, dude. And I thought I'm gonna take it easy on the kids, bro. These little shits were kicking my ass, bro. You know, like when you got shot, you're supposed to raise your hands up and say, okay, I got shot. No, these guys had no love for me. They had no love for me whatsoever, bro. They were lighting me up, walking like, they, and then they were calling. At the time, I was in my thirties, like early thirties. They were calling me old man. Get off, get off the field, old man. I mean, and I'm talking like six, seven year old kids talking shit to me. So, <laughs> dude, I was like, I was pissed, right? So I was like, all right, all right, all right. No more, Mister Get Nice Guy. I'm gonna go out there yeah. and, and 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 I'm gonna perform, right? Because I got that. Com- competitive spirit like Tristan was talking about here earlier on the show right so I remember sitting there like and I made up a whole strategy in my head I'm like okay because they had like these um like uh, uh like a castle made out of plywood and then like a little plywood house that I could barely fit in but then they had these big old uh, uh big old tubes right like electrical tubes that you could run through so I started jacking all these little kids up my wife was cracking up so hard because she was like, you were like in intense and focused mode. Like I was taking everybody out that was within the ages of eight to five years old in the middle car. And I was proud of myself. Like it was like if they had a trophy of destroying little kids, elementary kids, I was proud of my. You ever watch that episode at Seinfeld where Kramer was uh, in a karate class and he was the adult beating up yeah. all the small little kids? That was me. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, uh, Dave, real quick, uh, yeah. we got some from the chat here, and I think we, we may, may want to just start with this because it's not necessarily one of the topics uh, that we've got lined up. But Andrew Cassio, uh, Gabe Flores, uh, I don't know yes. if you heard the news. but oh, it's up uh, there. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's up there. Okay, so we'll get to that. We'll get to that. No, it's in the, um, it's in the ticker there, uh, the news and yeah. then, uh, results and stuff. But, yeah, I did hear about that. Um, and, it, you know, COVID-19, again, it's still not over. I know a lot of folks thought that as soon as we rolled into 2021 that things were going to change. And obviously, uh, it seems like it's, we're still in the same state of where we left in 2020. Um, you know, Gabe Flores is looking for a new opponent, uh, you know, and uh, that would have been a great step up for the young young warrior out of Stockton, California. Absolutely. Um, I, I, you know... Top rank, because, you know, Andrew came from Golden Boy. He was dropped after we lost the title. He was dropped, which was a, made a big, I mean, it, it made headlines, and it also made a lot of people upset. Because here was a blue-collar guy that was doing something 
that a lot of us wish we could accomplish and do, right? You know, he was the ordinary dude, the, 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 the guy next door, right? And, and everybody was rooting for him. And then when Gold Boy dropped him for whatever reason, which I'd love to get him on to talk to him about that. Why, why that decision, you know, or maybe something's been written about that. But anyways, and Top Rank picks him up and immediately gives him the assignment of a star that they're trying to build, which is Gabe Flores. Okay. Uh, Junior has definitely made some noise. The only question for me is Gabe's power. Has he grown into his man straight? I, I don't think so, Milkar. And I honestly think that this was Andrew's... This was like both on these guys' uh, way of figuring out who's going to move forward in the career in the top rank world, in my opinion. You know, it was like uh, do or die. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, it, it's one of those crossroad fights. And um, as you've got there on the ticker, another fight that's been uh, postponed at least. We don't know. I won't want to say canceled. Let's just say postponed. Right. Postponed. The uh, Josh Kelly uh, David Evan, uh, uh, Venetian fight, um, which I was looking forward to. Um, you know, I, I was honestly very interested to see what what, what uh, David Venetian would do against Josh Kelly. Uh, Armenian fighter. Those of you who, who know or have known Armenians or Armenia, know that it's a, a big fighting culture there, um, whether it's Darchinian or, or Vanis or even the uh, the cruiserweight champion, uh, Gulmarian. There have always been, like, uh, top Armenian fighters, and they carry a big fan base with them wherever they go. Um, so much so, that in fact, that Avenisian is actually more popular in London, where he's now based, than, than Kelly. Um so it was, a, it was a big fight, and again, it took a KO from, from COVID. So, you know, we got the vaccine rolling out here in New York, Dave. I don't know what the situation is out there in, in California here. They've rolled it out with uh, emergency workers. Now teachers are up for it. I, I can't get a get a get a get an appointment because you got to schedule them, and they're all booked. But let's just hope that we can kind of see an end to, to these fights and, uh, and boxing being derailed by COVID-19. Yeah, the vaccine is rolling out. Uh, first responders and people that work in the hospital, like my wife, uh, they have received it. You know, they have to take two. There's two different types yeah. of vaccines. Um, so hopefully, it, you know, we start seeing, uh, seeing people being able to get that, get, that, uh, get provided with that uh, in mid-year of this year, uh, hopefully like in March or maybe even after March, you know. We don't, I don't know. Um, you know, but what, this is what I do know. Um, Gabe, Gabe Flores Jr. Uh, if he beats Andrew Casino, um, that's maybe I'm, I'm alone with this. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think that's a huge name on his resume that he's probably has done more than Shakur Stevenson. I don't see Shakur yeah. Stevenson really getting somebody that dangerous because even though Casino lost, He's still very hungry, and he was a titleist. He held the title, and he's dangerous. You know, this kid could outwork uh, Flores Jr., and the reason why I think he could outwork him is because of the punching power that I just mentioned a little earlier about Gabe Flores Jr., okay? Gabe Flores Jr. comes from a very hard, a rough spot from Stockton, California, so mentality-wise and confidence, it's there. 
There's no question about that. So I wonder, was it the Floreses that asked for this fight? Or was this top ranks way of, you know, saying we only have one room for you guys, like that scene from the Batman movie, Dark Knight, where Joker breaks off the, the, the you know, the pull stick and says, like, they only have one room left into here for employment. Boom. You know, you guys figure it out. I wonder if it's one of those, because it's not been, it's not like top rank hasn't done that before, you know? So, uh, no. uh, great fight, though that's being made, hopefully it, it does happen uh, after, uh, you know, after uh, Casino can come back from this uh, COVID-19. What are we going to say? Yeah. No, I'm, I was just going to say that Gabe uh, Flores Jr. showed himself to be a, a very skillful fighter. Um, I, I often kind of see him doing almost a Mayweather impression in his fights at times um, with, with the with the guard that, that he can kind of employ. And you're absolutely right. Andrew Cassio uh, would have been a much bigger, more accomplished opponent than anyone I can see on Shakur Stevenson's record. I mean, you know. It it makes you wonder, like uh, Jesus just said in the chat room, it's like really, honestly, it's sink or swim. And that's exactly the analogy that I was trying to think up here in my head. I got so much shit in there, you know, I got to empty it out. like clean, you know, you know, delete like the computer. I just got too much stuff yeah. and file and stuff. But yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's sink or swim, and that's what I was saying. Top rank uh, is is known for doing things like that, you know, and uh, yeah. rightfully so. I mean, they should. I just I just wonder when they're going to do that with Shakur Stevenson. I mean, obviously they're looking at he's an Olympian, um, you know, and they, they are kind of grooming him to be the next top rank star. I just wonder. Okay. But when, like, you got to put a name up there for well, him to well, start getting up I, there. I think what their plan is is to have him face off against the winner of the Frampton, um, the, the the Frampton fight um, uh, at, at one thirty. I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I think that's their plan, right? I think. Yeah, it is. But the, I mean, does Fra- is Frampton the the name that gets you closer being a star? No, right? No, it is. But, but it's. They're playing this game where they're getting somebody a title and they're not really going after the top guy in the division. So, I mean, they they say that Shakur Stevenson's a former world champion, right? Because uh, he won the, the WBO featherweight title for what right. that's worth. But let's be frank. I mean, he won a vacant version of the title and he beat Joette Gonzalez, who I don't consider to be a championship caliber opponent. So, hmm. I... I I kind of find it tough to say that that he was like a legit world champion at 126, and now he's moving up to 130. Because of that WBO rule, you know, he actually can demand a, a shot against a, a champion, much like Usyk has done with, with Joshua. And he, it, maybe he'll get a, a title that way, but if I had... The, the controls of boxing and what's going on with top rank and obviously ESPN, I would want to see Shakur Stevenson against Gabe Flores Jr. I think that that would be a great fight. Mm. Well, I tell you what, okay, closer, getting closer in names, you know, that would make you a star. Shakur Stevenson, what we were mentioning a little uh, earlier, you know, Chango, Andrew, I don't think that would be a name that gets you closer being a star for Gabe uh, Flores Jr. if he was to pass this test. But it gets you closer to the respect from boxing fans. 
And I think that's what Shakur needs. Shakur Stevenson needs a fight where he fights somebody where we gain that respect. You know, forget the star. Because you know what? A lot of people, a lot of fighters and promoters are trying to get fighters, in my opinion, from one spot to the high point of their career immediately. Like there's some rush period. And we've been seeing that for the past like 15 to 20 years. There's like a rush period. There's somebody, like the promoters are trying to find somebody to fill in the shoes of Manny Pacquiao, Oscar De La Hoya, you know, uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather. Like there's really no development. And I like what, what excuse me, what Nato put up there. He said, and I'll put it back up here really quick. He said, maybe Top Rank is fed up with the lack of development by the father of Gabe. You know what? Maybe so. But that should be on Top Rank because here's the thing. Uh, you know, Gold Boy had signed Frankie Gomez, who was 17 years old. And then Top Rank had signed Jose Benavides Jr., who was 17 at the time. Okay. And here's the thing with me, what I've always said is that you're playing with fire when you're working with kids that are very young, especially the fact because there's not that man development yet, okay? They're not given the time. These kids decided to opt out and not go to the Olympics, and for good reasons too, okay? But but when you sign a on, you got to know there's got to be some, not just muscle development, but kind of brain development, you know? These are kids, you know? And kids want to be kids, and immediately turning them pro you got to wonder how many of them want to be pro. I remember interviewing Frankie Gomez when he signed with Golden Boy, and it was a great opportunity to, to interview that young man because it was a day of a signing and the milk car. You know, the one thing that stood out when I was asking him questions, I asked him, um, how much of this was a dream for you to turn pro? And he said to me, wasn't my dream. It was my parents' dream. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we see it and, and fathers are oftentimes even conscious about it. When we were interviewing um, Teofimo Sr. Uh, last Tuesday on Hispanics Causing Panic. Great interview, made a, by the way. Great interview. Enjoyed it. Thank you. He made, he made a point of, of mentioning the fact that he live, isn't living vicariously through his son, which to me is kind of a way of saying you're almost admitting that you are because why else would you even even say it um and tail juniors even made kind of references to that kind of thing in the past but in terms of of the development of these guys look i don't think gabe flores jr is ready for for uh, the uh valdez or burchelt winner uh, jesus uh, i think that would be a great fight for either those two guys i don't think flores is is ready for those two guys um right now i honestly don't even think uh, Shakur uh, is ready for the winner of that fight, which is why I think they're putting him into the lane of Jamal, Jamel Herring and, and Carl Frampton because Carl Frampton's best years were or many years ago at 122. He, right. I don't think he's here at 130. And I've actually seen Jamel Herring fight a few times here in New York City, and there wasn't really a single time where I was actually really you know, impressed by him. Um, He's like a workman-like fighter. Um, you know, uh, I'm not saying he's not talented. He obviously is. But I don't see him as a guy that's going to really beat a top-tier uh, guy in his prime fighting in a weight class, which I think a, Mer- uh, a Burchelt is. So that, that it's, a, it's a good division. Um, I would have been very interested to see what Andrew Cancio would have done 
with Gabe Flores Jr. It's one of those, those kind of crossroad fights I was very much looking forward to. But, you know, COVID got to it before we did. <laughs> Definitely did. And Jesus M says, Shakur versus the winners of Brachat and Valde- uh, Valdez. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's That to me which should be the next step, you know, not Frampton. And like I said, you know, if you're looking for the respect, forget about getting reaching the star, okay, of being in the same light of Canelo, even like Tyson Fury, of those guys, okay? Uh, you know, I, there's there's a work process to get there. There's a ladder that you're supposed to climb before you get there, you know? And that ladder has to do with a lot of the respect of boxing fans. Because listen, as much as we need casual boxing fans, because they are the bloodline of boxing pay-per-views, okay? They will come out and buy for it. They will buy it. But a lot of times, the hardcore fans are the one they ask if it's a good fight. If you know one of those guys, if if you if you are if you're able to vouch for one of those guys on that card, ninety nine percent of the time the casual fan will buy it or pay attention. You know, and and that's the thing with Shakur. I don't think he fully got the respect that he needs at this moment to pursue on being called a future superstar because he hasn't got the respect in that no, ring. Or outside the ring with the hardcore fans here. What were you going to say, Bill? No, I, I agree. But the reason he hasn't received the respect is because he hasn't fucking fought anybody that would give him that respect that, you know, would be bestowed upon him by the hardcore fans. I'm sorry, but going the distance and winning a unanimous decision against Toka Khan Clary is not the type of fight or fighter that uh, gives you the accolades that, you know, People who are really big fans of Shakur Stevenson, and I'm, I, I like Shakur Stevenson. I've seen him fight live a few times, but I just cannot put him in the same category of a Miguel Bartel right now. I just can't. If he did, if he outboxes uh, Miguel Bartel, I mean, you have to give him that. You know, if he can do what he did with to the other kid uh, in his last previous fight, then you have to. Then that to me is is the lead-up of becoming something greater because he gains the respect because he actually gets a dangerous fighter and he is, is he able to shut him out or he pulls really deep, deep from the bottom I, pit I of his stomach. I agree with you, David, yeah. but the funny thing is El Alacran is not coming out of their mouths. They're not talking about him. They're talking about uh, the winner again of Frampton. Right. Uh, you know, they're they're not talking about Miguel Burchell, and I think there's a reason for that. <laughs> there you go. You know, there, there's a reason they're going after after Herring and Frampton, and not Miguel Burchell. Well, I think what it is, the reason they're going after Frampton is just be honest. There is still a development from Shakur, top ranked right? dumb. They're not going to rush him in. See, the listen, they're rushing him in your head, but making you believe that this is the future. Okay, but if they really believe that, they would already put him in the way they did with Lomachenko. You know, Lomachenko putting him in right away, or like Lopez. Okay, uh, uh, I think in some way they know that there's still a development with Shakur, and I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. I think I don't think there's still, anything wrong with that right, either. You know, but I'm, but I'm not the one, David. That's putting him on all kind of pound for pound list and talking about him as the most talented fighter in the world, like Tim Bradley is. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. Philly, yeah, brother, call in, man. The phone lines are working this time. We tested them out in the beginning uh, before we oh, yeah. uh, uh, did the show. Call in, brother. 
one, and and again, another guy that I don't hear a lot of people talking about at one thirty is JoJo Diaz. Let's not forget about JoJo, man. Well, JoJo's talking about Tevin Farmer again, hoping he can you know shut him up in a rematch. Uh, if that rematch comes into fruition and stuff. so But you're absolutely right. Joe Diaz is another guy that that they're not talking about, you know? And I think it just goes back to showing you that Top Rank understands what they have. They got to develop them very carefully, okay? Uh, you know, they're putting him on the big stage. He's headlining. But the truth is, is that, that there's still so much development with this kid that Top Rank is going to protect them as much as they can. I could be wrong. Could be last wrong, thing but what I'm seeing, you, though, is they're protecting the kid for the moment. Last thing I want to ask all of our, our community here uh, that's in the chat. How many of you actually think that uh, uh, Stevenson is more excited than Rigo? <laughs> because all I heard from Top Rank when Rigo was out was that Rigo's boring, Rigo's unpromotable, Rigo's this, Rigo's that. And I don't know, call me crazy. But uh, to me, uh, Rigo's a lot more exciting than Stevenson ever was, even at 39 years old. <laughs> I, I, I had brought this up, I think, on our roundtable of what I thought, you know. And I definitely thought that Rigo was more exciting. He's got the punching power. He took out a lot of the guys. But, you know, let's see. Outlaw says it's time for Gabriel Flores to get a new trainer, he's not progressing as a fighter anymore. I don't think he is outlaw to tell you the truth. I don't think he's not going to see. Go ahead. I don't think we're going to see any progression yet until he develops in his man strength. I think that what you see is what you're going to get at the moment because he's still a very youthful guy. He's a young kid. You know, uh, um, he he hasn't moved into 22, 20. I don't think he has. I could be wrong, but. You know, I still don't think he's going to get his mastery until he's 23, 24. Then we'll find out, does he carry the mastery or he doesn't? He may be who he is right now at the moment of what we're seeing. But anyways, who do we got on the line, brother? Am I on? Yeah, you're on. You're live. Oh, finally. Yeah, we got it sorted out, sort out, brother. Is that Philly Irish? Yes, it is. Thank you for calling in, my man. Thank you for calling in and being patient with us as we sorted all that out. Yeah, that's cool. Now I just figured like Dave told me to, that you guys were on, so I might as well jump in and see what what you guys are talking about and everything. But the the deal with Shakur Stevenson, this is what I, I always thought about Shakur Stevenson. When someone talks about him, I get my pillow and I get my blanket and I get it wetty because every time I feel tired. <laughs> I gotta agree with you, man. I'm I gotta agree with you. Like it's a shame he hasn't fought anybody that can actually fight yet. And the thing is, with them saying that they want to protect him, the kid has almost like has like twenty fights under his belt already. Almost twenty fights, if not. You got to put him up against somebody eventually because there's going to be the big fights that that he could be put in. Those fighters going to wind up moving up in weight eventually, right. and you're going to be missing out on those fights. Like Frampton, that could be a great fight for him. Jamal Herring could be a great fight for him. Even like, but if they're talking about putting him up against Lomachenko, I think Lomachenko will embarrass him. Like, if you, like, if you look at it, like when Lomachenko fought Gary Russell, Gary Russell arguably the fastest hands in boxing. 
Right. Mama Tinko, in my opinion, did dominate Gary Russell Jr. In my opinion, I think he won every round off Gary Russell Jr. He made Gary Russell look average that night. And that's when people looked at Lomachenko and say, this guy's a serious threat to somebody that can really be a world champion soon. And you, and you see that they match him up with Lomachenko. I think Lomachenko is going to easily be secure Stevenson. And until he fights a, a name, some type of a name or some type of a stepping stone that gives people problems, Nobody's going to even care about Secure Stevenson. All he's going to do is going to be a fighter that puts everybody to sleep in the chairs or at home. Hmm. Or, or in the uh, the audience at the Madison Square Garden, where where I fell asleep, pretty much. I mean, this, that it, too. His his last his last fight. I, I keep saying it. I mean, it put me and wifey to sleep. You know, and it was so interesting because it was the fight before it was so exciting. And I'm talking about the uh, Nakatani uh, uh, fight um, that that, that he Verdejo. came back. Right. Yeah, with Verdeo that he came back and won. It was a very exciting fight. And then before that, there was the Berlanga fight. And then they closed it us out with a snooze fest. Here's, here's, like, here's the problem. Made a this kid. Like, the thing is, I, I understand how you need, to, you need to promote the kid and everything. But it's on to a point that you need to give this kid a name. You have to have this kid fight somebody now because you guys are promoting him. You're hyping him up and everything. And every time you put somebody in front of him that can't fight, they're going to say, he actually, a hardcore boxing thing, they're going to say, he didn't impress me at all. He actually put me to sleep. Like, casual fans don't, can't even turn on to him. And that's the problem. Like, when you see a casual fan, like, when you're saying that, oh, we need casual fans, yeah, we do need casual fans. Like, right. I'll tell you the truth, guy's name sounds funny. That casual fan's going to turn in and, and watch that guy because he has a funny name. Like, i tell you, you ever, remember the fight of Lucian Boutte? Of course, out of Montreal. My brother isn't, was a. You can credit my brother maybe as a casual boxing fan, probably watches every once in a blue moon. Mm-hmm. You wonder what my brother in the last Lucian Boutte fight? The name, his name, Boutte. That's what made him want to watch that fight. And then after he saw my Lucian Boutte, the way he fought and everything, he didn't miss a fight at all. Lucian Boutte even watched the fight right. where he when he knocked out Edison Miranda. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everything. Yeah, but Butte, you know, Butte was actually a really good fighter. Oh, and he was really good. What what happened to him is the fans were so upset with the controversy at the end of that Andrade fight. I'm sure you remember this. Oh yeah. That yeah. they all they all turned on him. But it wasn't you even know. him. It was the ref. Yeah, it was, it was the it, ref that did a terrible job that night. Was, and the thing is, he was pretty much dominating the majority of that fight until the very last round which is why that round was so exciting. But it's like that fight was like a heel turn, uh, except he didn't actually start the heel turn. It was like right. the referee did it. It was always and very like, – yeah. Like here's, here's what I thought. Like, yeah, I, I remember them saying that before he lost to Carl Foch in England, he was, he was probably one of the fighters that are up next to fight Bernard Hopkins because there was talks of him fighting Bernard Hopkins at that time before he got knocked out by Foch. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, that was one fight that Ward had dropped the ball because it was supposed to be Ward and Butte, 
and Frost was, was the one that that one that took the assignment. You know, so I know that that Ward was kicking himself in the ass for not taking Butte at the time because Butte was ready for the taking. He was, and and another Montreal fighter. And I got to big up Montreal. It's a great city. People should visit it. But it's also a great fight town. Um, Adonis Stevenson, mm. when he was at 175, was his promoter, uh, Yvonne Michelle at the time, was offering Ward a, a two-fight deal where uh, he'd go down to 168, and then in the rematch, Ward would come up to 175. Five, right. And uh, or it might have been vice versa, but it was one of the two. And and Ward didn't end up taking the fight. But yeah, that that's a great point, Philly. Um, it, it's honestly, it's a reason a lot of people got into Zab Judah, and it's also a reason that I kind of latched on to Kostya Zoo very early on. He just had a cool sounding name, Kostya Zoo, and then you saw him fight, and your interest was matched by kind of his performance in the ring, and I was hooked at, from that point on. You know, and, and now I'm a huge fan of his son. Oh, yeah, I saw him fight uh, Jeff Horn. Yeah. Yeah, and everything. He's going to be a champion soon. I think Tim Sue's going to be a champion soon. It depends who's going to give him that opportunity at a title, but I believe he's going to be a champion real soon. I think they're looking to make him a champion this year. They're going to go after um, a definite, definite title and stuff. Um all right, brother. Hey, man, thanks for calling in. Um, I appreciate it, bro. Absolutely, Philly. Thanks, Paul. Right, thanks, Call again. Call again, man. Call again. All right. Bye. All right, take care. You know, an ending with uh, Shakur Stevenson, um, which, you know, Nato put out there, and this is absolutely right. He had said Shakur's last ESPN card was excellent ratings. That's a positive. It is a positive. Okay? It is a positive. Anytime you put it on ESPN, because ESPN is in – most homes than anything else, okay? That's a major positive, okay? And that's the major positive that he has by having uh, top rank. You know, the thing that surprises me about Timothy Bradley, who's been riding this wagon from the very beginning, uh, back when Andre Ward was... Is it... Sorry, the wine is coming through me. Is it a wagon that he's riding, or is it something else? And I'm just... <laughs> I don't know, and I don't want to find out if it is, man. <laughs> I definitely don't want to find out. But, you know, the thing that surprised me with, with Timothy Bradley is here's Tim, who was a road warrior who didn't have the punching power uh, to really capture the respect of boxing fans, okay? He actually had to do it the traditional way, which acts his way through the rankings, okay, to get that respect. And the way he got that respect was by fighting anybody that was available and anybody that was willing to step up with him, okay? That was Timothy Bradley's resume. What I find kind of crazy is you have Timothy Bradley cheerleading a guy that hasn't done any of that and really kind of resembles Bradley's punching power, which is not visible. It's not there yet. So I, 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 I you know, I look at Tim and go like, Tim, we kind of see your agenda here, okay? And, you know, him dropping, uh, Chakor dropping Andre Ward and the big mystery is why he dropped Ward. I was looking at the other day and I was scratching my head. And I'm like, he dropped them because Andre Ward didn't tell him the truth about the offering about uh, Ed Hearn and Eddie, Eddie Hearns and, and, and Warrington at the time. You know, Shakur was over mouthing off on Twitter about nobody sent me a purse bid, nobody sent me an offer, blah blah blah. And Ed's like, uh, yeah, we did. And then and then Ward goes on and says, well, you know, what you thought is good is not necessarily good for everybody. But Eddie was like, well. 
But your guys over here saying that we never sent an offer in. We did. And that was, I think, was the, the, the light bulb that turned on for Shakur Stevenson when he was like, these guys are supposed to work for me. Why am I not be, being told this? And now I look like a complete idiot on social media because, you know, as I know, as everybody knows, social media holds receipts. It does. And he ended up firing Andre Ward. Yes. He, 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 he fired him right after. They parted ways. Yep. So, yeah, four lines are open, guys. 347-460-1773. Once again, that's 347-460-1773. Don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe to us. And uh, remember, we're here every Monday at 5 p.m. Uh, we just didn't couldn't do it uh, last week, man, because of the new year. I had so much stuff backed up. Uh, a lot of my dealerships were closed. Everybody was, like, trying to stay home with their families. So uh, when it, you know, when it opened up after the new year, everything was in a rush. Everything was an emergency. So I just couldn't pull away to get back onto my favorite place to be, my serenity place that I, I, I come to, which is here on Leaving the Ring to Talk Boxing uh, with you guys. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on, man. Let's go immediately. First off, let's go with last year, which was potentially, hopefully, was going to be fight of the year between Takana and Ioka, which it didn't. I, I got to admit, it didn't get fight of the year, but, man, it just made my New Year's Eve very exciting. I looked forward to it. It was a great fight between two very skilled technicians. Emil Cartel, give, give, give me your take about this. And uh, guys in the chat room, tell us if you guys got up early in the morning like I did, which was at 1 a.m. I think we got a call, right, before we get into talking about this? Yeah, we do, but uh, call if you could just uh, stay on hold with us for a while, for, for a couple minutes. I'm just going to uh, give my run-through of this fight, and then we'll bring you right on. Yeah, just stay right, on so hold real quick. So, I go ahead. Give me your take. Yeah, uh, a Tanaka fight. We were all really looking forward to it. We're all, you know, moving around, trying to find a, a stream, a legal stream. Um, then we thought we found one, and, and David did, and then I ended up having to do something else. Long story short... I'm up at 4 a.m. I'm watching this fight, and I had a great time. Um, and, Dave, you called it. I mean, the skill, I would also say the experience, but, yes, the skill right. and experience of Ioka proved to win the day. You could see that Tanaka was quick, twitchy. You could see that he was powerful. You could see that he was fast, that he was quick, that he had tremendous confidence. But Ioka figured him out. He, he, he dissected did. him. He, he figured out his openings, and he just knew at a certain point that that left hook was money. And yes. once he started to land it, the knockdown started to happen. Tanaka did not know what to do, and it ended with, uh, with a great knockout. And I, I did an upload very early on, and on on my channel where I talked about the great referee work that day. We didn't see the referee. Uh, literally, until he had to come in and and prevented Tanaka from hitting the floor. You know, he uh, he held him up. Great performance. Wasn't fight of the year. Was one of the best fights of the year, I'd say. Not fight of yes. the year, but one of the, best, the best breakout performances. And you know that to be true because Ioka actually ended up cracking the Ring Magazine top 10 pound for pound. And this is a guy who was Japan's first ever four-weight world champion. All right, super high-level dude. Both his losses were controversial, including the most recent one against New, uh, um, 
shoot, who is the, the, against the Filipino fighter? His name is escaping me, and I, I'm embarrassed that it is. Uh, but uh, this is what happens when you're on the East Coast, Dave, and it gets late after a long day. But, um, but yeah, it was Nevis, a great, great one uh, performance, about. man. And yeah. um, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was awesome. You know, the one thing that Tikana had brought that, that I didn't think he would was a jab. He came out jabbing. I thought he was taking the early rounds. Uh, and that was very impressive. You know, the, 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 it, the loss is obviously, he lost to one of the greats. Let's just be honest, okay? He lost to one of the top fighters in that division. There's no shame in that. But what Tanaka showed me with losing this fight is that, you know what? This shouldn't stop him to get for him for, to reaching his goal, okay? He brought no. something where he understood he needed a jab. He needed to be a boxer in this fight and not be reckless. But the youth and, 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 and the confidence took over. He became very comfortable because he looked stronger. He definitely looked stronger, and he was definitely pushing back Ioka when he did land those big shots, okay? He had Ioka a few times kind of like puzzled and kind of a bit worried off of that punching power. But the experience kicked in, and it definitely shined on, on that night because, you know, uh, Ioka is one of those guys that he's going to weather the storm. Okay, um, he's going to weather what you're doing and he's going to make these very slight, slight adjustments. And that's what he did. It was a great, great fight. Go ahead and bring on our caller here. Let's talk some boxing. Here a little bit. Uh, hop on in with us. Who's there? What's good, y'all? What's good? We good? Well, who's who's calling? This is Clay Stevenson. Clay, oh, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, Clay. Thanks for calling in. What's good, man? Yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been talking Dave for a long time on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my father is. Yeah, how you doing? Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, name of, yeah. A mill. A mill. Uh, a, a mill car. Yeah, a mill car. There you go. Yeah, man, you, you guys kind of hard on Shakira Stevenson. I see. I'm not a big poodle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's my thing. Um, I'm always critical about guys who kind of win bullshit world titles and uh, present themselves as world champions, but then don't mm. fight the best. Um, and maybe I shouldn't blame Shakur for that. It's kind of the nature. That. I, I wouldn't blame you know? Shakur for that. It, it's it's what it's what uh, top rank does. It's what uh, especially top rank, right? I mean. But but I guess I guess I kind of doubled down on it when Tim Bradley's talking about how he's the the best fight like the most skilled fighter in the world in pound for pound number one. I mean, I just don't understand. Again, not his fault. Not his fault. Yeah, Tim Bradley, company man. Yeah, absolutely. But, mm-hmm, so you know, I don't pay no attention to Tim or Andre. I mean, you know, so I respect them as like great fighters, but when yeah, as far as the commentator and so forth. They in-house guys, so, you know, you take it with a bucket of salt. What do you think about him, Clay? Let me, t- let me ask you, what do you think about Shakur Stevenson? Do you think that between all that hype, when it clears that this kid could possibly be what they are describing to us at this moment? I think he's a talented fighter. I really do. I think he's a great talent. You know, he's an Olympic civil medalist, whatever. But my biggest question so far is uh, – Will he able to, can he take a punch? I mean, with like, um, when he faced a big punching guy, how will he, how will he survive? Cause I'm telling you, that can be a separator or like a, um, like a, uh, a decider when it, when guys fight like the big, um, big time opponents and so forth. 
I mean, because I mean, skills is one thing, but hey, you sometimes need that power to, like, you know, they cheat guys off of you sometimes. Right. You know, I mean, he's got great footwork. There's, you know, here's the thing: everything that we see of the kid, there's no question he's got yeah. talent. He's got good footwork, Absolutely. good hand speed. He puts combinations oh, he together. He got everything, but it's against I guys. It's against power, guys. But, yeah. but see, here's the thing: it's that's against that's guys that that he should be looking good against and should be able to do do that. You know what I mean? And my mm-hmm. question, my thing yeah. is that what I witness of him is that he should actually, actually, in my opinion. He should be. He should be able to mow through these guys where he could stop them. Because mm-hmm. I don't think they have a chance, chance of landing anything big on them or anything like that. So that's my first question about him: is is the lack of killer instinct, in my opinion, um, the power there? Obviously, is what we're still questioning, and his chin, you know. And I think, like I said, I, I, what's I'm very surprised with, like Timothy Bradley, which, you know, I mean, if, if you follow me and listen to me, I've always been a big, huge Timothy Bradley fan. And I just sit oh, there and like, right. yeah, same, same. yeah, super nice guy in person too. Oh yeah, and and, and I always go, go, I always go like Tim. I would think that you would be asking these questions because you did not have the easy road to get where you're at. You know, like you, you should know this already that this kid's oh, got to yeah. earn the respect of fight fans before we give them this 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 patio this uh, uh, uh you know this this freaking uh, um. What's the word I'm looking for? Dude, let me tell you how tough Podium. Tim Bradley Podium. is. Yeah. Tim Bradley had to go all the way to England yes. and fight Junior Witter to win his first title. Junior Witter was a very tricky boxer, super high-skilled, oh, yeah. and was a guy that Floyd didn't want to fight. And, and that's who Tim Bradley went to fight in England to win his first world title. So he did not have the quote-unquote top-ranked diet, which I agree, Outlaw. Um, a lot of these top-ranked prospects are fed. So I would agree with, with Dave. It's like you'd expect him to be a bit more critical. But Tim, like many of us, when you become a fan of somebody, um, you kind of get a little over exuberant. But guess what? I'm not the one who's on the ESPN. Like if I, he's got to maintain a little bit more uh, subjectivity, I would say. Yeah. I mean, Tim Bray, like I said, he's one of like um, he was a, like a favorite of mine, and like you say, he didn't have the um, easy road. He was a blue collar fighter through and through. Right. One reason that was, that was a big appeal, to my, um, big appeal for me for Tim. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, like like let's say the Paul Williams of the world, uh, Timothy Bradley, Glenn Johnson, those those guys were special because there was nothing was handed to them. They had to literally work for what they, exactly. what they received, you know. And that's all I'm asking for. Like, so uh-huh. I get, you know, what's funny? That roundtable that we did a while back, same thing. A lot of folks are like, dude, why are you hating on Shakur so bad? And I'm like, I'm not. And for some folks were actually going, he's an American fighter, Dave. You're an American. You should be, you know, enjoy that this guy's getting, you know, headlined. I'm like, well, that's the re- another reason why I'm pretty tough on him. Because the fact is, that when I think about American fighters like Timothy Bradley or Paul Williams, these guys had a, they had to literally win the respect of like Mexican and Puerto yeah, exactly. Ricans and, and UK fans. They, they won the respect by fighting the Who's. Shakur Stevenson, at this moment, hasn't won that respect. Across, across the plane, the, the, the landscape of boxing, I just don't think he's got that yet. 
Yeah, to me personally, like when it comes to all the like the like the young hot young guns, whatever. I'm more of a Virgil fan, uh, Ennis fan, even Ryan Garcia fan over Shakira Stevens. That's just my personal mm-hmm. taste. Bro, I'm right. Where, I'm right there with you, fam. You, I'm much bigger than all those guys. I mean, like I said, now Ryan Garcia, he needs some season, uh, season and development. But like I he said, does. I prefer over uh, from an eyeball's point of view over Stevens. Yeah, but you know what I like about Ryan? Ryan is calling out Tank Davis, right? He's really okay. writing that. He's I, I haven't heard Shakur call out Tank. Maybe I missed that one. I don't know. Oh yeah, I actually know what Shakira on well on Twitter. He's called out a lot of people. Yeah, he does. You're right. He, he called out everybody on on Twitter. So you know, but like I said, I take everything with bucket salt with these young guys, man. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, then it's all about money. You know, dollars and cents. Yep, I agree. You, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. There really is it, you know. But you know what? I I, I don't have a problem dissing out my hard-earned blue-collar money. But, man, you know what? Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to see a little bit of uh, foreplay before I give it up. You know what I mean? I want to see a little something. You know? Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, I put up a tweet uh, last week. I said, out of the young guns, who would you pay to see out of the, uh, like the five, you know, Ryan, Virgil, whatever? I just want to see what how fans responded. A lot of people responded. They say they like to see Shakur as their number one fight out of the top five, you know, young fighters out there now, which is interesting. Right. Very interesting. No, it's interesting. Oh, and this interesting. is the power. This is the power of ESPN because he's getting in more than a lot of other fighters. You know, yeah. The platform makes a makes a huge, huge, huge difference. Uh, Clay, thanks for calling me, and brother. We'll. Um, we got to get going. We got more stuff here to talk about, man. But stay on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Keep tuning in. Please, please, please like and subscribe, and please uh, support all the channels in the Leave It in the Ring uh, network here. They already do. There you go. <laughs> Going back with uh, Ioka, man. What's a good call? Thanks, Clay, man. He's been. I, we've been Ooh. following each other for quite some time. It's really good to see that some of the the Twitter people are coming over and, and tuning in and listen, talking some boxing. Because a lot of folks on Twitter, man, um, bro, they got some they got some real pure knowledge. They're real hardcore boxing fans, you know? And uh, it's just, I enjoy it. It's one of the best things to do, man, because you, you get educated with a lot of the fans as well. Because they, like I said, they, they definitely, uh, they watch the sport as close as we do, you know? Uh, you know, like when you talk about, like the zone commentators, I feel a lot of fans' pains that are hardcore boxing fans that watch a lot of the, uh, you know, the undercards to to like oversee cards it, it, like I do and like you do a no card like everybody in the chat room anybody that tunes in to leave the ring, you know. Um, but then you you listen to guys like Chris Mannix or Brian Kennedy, and, and and you know that they don't even watch this. They don't even watch this. They're like two weeks out before they even watch tape on the fighter that they're they're gonna speak about. You know, and it, sometimes you cringe, excuse me, you cringe and all that because, like, I didn't hear anything from the zone talking about Ioka and Tanaka at all. And they were pumping up the, the, the promo for uh, Gonzalez and Estrada, but there was no mention of Ioka at, at all about the fight between those two. My man, Hermano, I totally agree with you, bro, because. You know, the other thing, too, is the zone is actually invested in this fucking weight class. Very invested. Very invested. Mm -hmm. Right there. Eddie's talking about 
about uh, obviously the rematch with uh, Estrada and and Chocolatito. Who better to for for the winner of that to face than Ioka? Or it it could have been Tanaka had he won the fight. That fight should have been on the zone. It should have been on ESPN. <laughs> been on the zone. We shouldn't have had to be. We shouldn't have had to be scrambling uh, to figure out how, how to pay a Japanese TV service or expats uh, to log in on our laptops to watch it. They're probably you know? look. I think what they're probably thinking. Okay, and by no chance I know what's in their head. You know, for for me to, to it would require for me to be inside their head to know what they're doing. Okay, and obviously. They understand the marketing and the business part way better than we do, okay? But I'm this is where my head's at with this, okay? And and I'm thinking they're looking at Ioka and Tanaka as why invest in this when they might be just a one fight deal. Okay. We're looking for for the possibility because more okay, like for instance, uh Japan is probably not gonna buy the zone when they're having their fighter on a on a free platform. Okay, which is their free free platform. So why would they want to bring them on? They probably won't bring them on until maybe after the Estrada and Gonzalez. And if the winner of those two guys say, "Hey, in order for us, you know, to be undisputed, we have to fight this kid from Japan, Ioka," which would be a fucking tremendous and great fight. Okay, but I think that's what the zone is looking at. He's already on a platform. It'd probably really be hard to even get that over here on the zone. Because of the fact that they're they're going to have to dish out a lot of money, which they've kind of learned their lesson. So I'm looking at the dollar value, and I'm thinking that's why they didn't end up going that route. But what about it's free to mention him? It's free to build that up because the, the, it, the, it's, it's free to mention him. It, it's free uh, to mention uh, Jerwin Ancajas, who's also a very exciting fighter, you know. So, look, what I'm hoping to see at 115 is Ioka and Cajas, uh, Gonzalez um, Estrada, and the winners facing each other for an undisputed title. And I would have hoped that that, that uh, zone would have put the money behind this to, to make kind of that tournament happen, you right. know, two-round tournament. Um, but they didn't. And the other thing that's interesting to me is that zone is actually pretty strong in Japan, like, they've been in Japan much longer than they've been in the United States. So I just never understood it. I was watching a, a, a show today, uh, an upload by, by my guy out there in the UK that runs boxing social. And uh, he had Eddie Hearn on and Eddie was complaining about the, the zone announcing crew. Um, and <laughs> the boxing social dude was actually saying that he would expect, you know, fights of this magnitude to have a more professional announcing staff and I couldn't agree more. Now, I want to say I, they're not professional. I mean, look, I, I don't. I think they're very professional, but I think that they they lack they lack education in the sport. And I'll tell you why. You have to have a passion for this sport. It's a very niche sport. Okay, it's very niche. You know, it's. I mean, you can walk into a room of fifty people, and dude, you'd be lucky to land a real hardcore boxing fan. Because everybody's going to talk about the 80s. Like, oh, yeah, it was a big deal. I used to watch Mike Tyson. They they, 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 they seem they can relate to that. But other than that, talking about the current names and the current status of the sport, it's very difficult, you know. So I, I think we're like Chris Manick. He's not a really boxing guy. We know that. He's more of a basketball guy. Uh, Brian is more of a – he's just a commentator. He floats around. Uh, Sergio Moria – I think Sergio Moria does really good. I know there's some people I that don't like too, him. But- 
But Dave, this is my thing when I say uh, uh, unprofessional. I'm sorry, but if I'm watching a soccer uh, commentary from England or or basketball commentary from the United States, I, I'm not listening to a guy like Chris Mannix banter back and forth and constantly throw insults at Sergio Mora and Mora. Now that's what's weird. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Professional. Well, you know what I'm they're sorry. trying to do? They're trying to it's mimic. Bro, that's not prof- that's not professional sportscasting. No, it isn't. It's but like- they're trying to mimic the the chemistry of what George Foreman and Larry Merchant had, or Ro- it's Roy working. Jones. It's not working. No, I agree with you. It, it isn't working. Disagreement. This yeah. is manufactured, uh, uh, like sophomoric back and forth insults. I don't need to hear that. I'm I'm here to watch boxing. I don't give a fuck about about. Chris Maddox trying to be funny or anything or anything else. Right. You know, it's just no, comments I, on the I face. Right? I agree. You know? I agree. And to like bring up certain things that, you know, when, when you ask your unofficial a question and he answers it and you want to kid, you, you still want to drag it in to the combo. That's right there. Somebody needs to kind of put them in a hall and say, stop. Okay. You know, um, but, you know, here's one thing that I what I think they tend to gotten got worse on is riding the house fighter. They're no longer they're no longer like even Sergio Mora. You're no longer calling the fight. You're calling the house fighter what he does, what great the greatness he's doing and stuff, you know, like we might as well move into Ryan Garcia's great performance. They're riding, they're riding the house fighter stronger than Seabiscuit at this yeah, oh point. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know bro- they I mean? broke Sea Biscuits back, bro. Okay, I mean, they broke insane. Sea Biscuits back. I mean, I, look, Ryan Garcia was doing very well against Luke Campbell, right? But the only one giving any credit to Luke Campbell that entire fight was was Sergio Mora. Right. And guess what? It's because he's a former fighter. Yes. Yes, and nobody like nobody was calling what Luke was trying to set up, what he was trying to do. Which I thought that you know. I thought that Luke was trying to fit in some tricks, trying to put in his experience. But I think in that first round when he felt the power of Ryan Garcia, I think that changed everything for him. He seemed really tentative. He seemed like, you know what, he was kind of standoffish. He was looking for the perfect shot rather than working for the the shot. And and you know what, when he got Ryan hurt, dropped Ryan, um, he went back into again – overlooking, over kind of, you know, examining what he was doing rather than just attacking and getting the young warrior out. That all should have been mentioned. That all should have been what the strategy was, what the, how the strategy wasn't playing out. But instead, it was glorifying Brian Garcia for getting back up and, and Brian Garcia this. And Brian, it was hot-dogging Brian Garcia the whole way. And you know what? That's just a turnoff, not just for hardcore boxing fans, but for fans across the board, everywhere, people could people could see that. Okay, my son's sitting there watching it, and he only wanted to watch because of Ryan Garcia. But he was like, "God damn, these guys really love Ryan Garcia. Do they get a percentage of what Ryan does?" That I'm like, "No, he doesn't. They don't." <laughs> no, they don't. Like, are 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 you a pimp or are you a commentator? I'm confused. And yeah, I got two, I got two uh, things I like to highlight here. Uh, Nando, my brother out there, says, don't forget Sword Rungvisai. I agree. I haven't forgot but, about him. Dude, it's almost like he's been punished for beating uh, Chocolatito twice. Right. You know? And then uh, Jesus says, Luke doesn't throw enough punches even when he hurt him. I agree. He should have gone yeah. for the kill at that point. 
because he was he was not going to win on the cards in, in Texas. We know that. So no, he um, didn't. You know. Yeah. No, so you're Luke, gonna move. Yeah, Luke go ahead. was definitely yeah. competitive. Outlaw put out there. Luke was competitive, but was not winning rounds. I only gave gave Luke the second round. And uh, yeah, I thought so too. I, you know what? I know. I thought I, I gave him another round. I, I can't remember what round it was, but I thought he was doing a little bit more. I thought though. Look, this is what I thought, and this happens, and this tends to happen with fighters when they've been in the game long enough. They overanalyze what they're doing, and and, and it's like it's in their head what they want to do, but they can't translate it to the to their hands. Okay, and I saw that with Luke, but I also saw a little bit of like shyness because he felt the power of Ryan Garcia, okay? He did get hurt more than once in that fight. So I think that that made a big play into his plan because his quarters were asking him. His quarter man was telling him, you got to let your hands go. You got to stop showing this kid so much respect. But it's very difficult when you got somebody that's just so fast and so strong like Ryan Garcia. But here's this. Uh... Reynoso, Eddie Reynoso, a lot of people keep giving a lot of hype about Eddie Reynoso being the train of the year and all this stuff. I don't know about you guys, Emil Carr, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really see a whole lot of improvement from Ryan Garcia. Might be because the fact that two years he's only got, he had, you know, like what, five rounds before leading into the Luke Campbell. But I still see there's a lot of stuff there that Ryan Garcia needs to work on. You know, um, the chin is still very up high. Uh, I'm hoping, here's two things about that knockdown. I'm hoping it humbled him, but he's got to learn to have a jab, okay? Um, he's got to invest a little bit more on that jab, not just on his power and his speed. Uh, a lot of times I didn't see him even set up punches. I seen him just swing to hopefully land something big, okay? So in my opinion, Eddie's got a lot of work to do with this kid, Ryan Garcia. Take nothing away from his victory. It's definitely, I, I said this on Twitter and I've said this on the show, if he gets this win... And he does it in such a great, fashionable way. you got to give him his props. So his props are right there. But you cannot sit there and say that this kid is already polished and ready to go against any of the league guys out there. Um, I still think that he's got a lot of work. And you know what? Luke Campbell did expose that you could set him up. You could set him up because Brian is looking to land a big shot. Brian's not really looking at what you're going to do to him. Until after he got hurt from Luke... Look what happened. Eddie Reynoso told him, you got to keep your right hand up. And that's when, that's the only thing I, I have to give him more props about is that Ryan Garcia went out on that second, that, that the third round, picking up that right hand so that Luke couldn't land that overhand again. I don't always disagree with you, Dave. I very rarely do. But I actually think that Reynoso has done a lot with Garcia. Um, we we tend to forget the derision that Garcia was facing after the uh, Carlos Morales fight um, in 2018 uh, when he won by majority decision. And, uh, I mean, it was not looking that great for, for Ryan Garcia. At that point, people were literally thinking this kid was a hype job, right? Right. Um, and to me, uh, that changed – at first with the Rodriguez fight, um, but mostly with the Duno and Fonseca fights. And look, under Reynoso, the guy's 3-0, and three KOs, right? So mm -hmm. there's that. But I do agree he's got a lot of, of improvements to make. Um, I'd like to see him implement a lot of stuff that Canelo's good at. Um, 
to me, that takes the, years. And you know what? I just don't it, it see does, him mastering yeah, it. it. Yeah, it, it does take years. Absolutely, it takes, it takes um, years. And, and, and the road that he's on right now, the road work, the, the road that the paved road that he's on right now, I don't think they're going to give him that time. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, and I'm his quest. I'm specifically talking about head movement, fainting. Um, well, fainting, head I'm, movement, tucking his chin, yeah. using the jab yeah, properly. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Just not swinging for the fences because none of that's going to work all the time, especially when you get guys that that, that study, guys that are going to watch you and study you. And, 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 and under, I mean, look, Luke Campbell understood that he kept his right hand low. Luke also understood that he kept his chin up high, you know, and he was able to capitalize that. He just wasn't able to finish it. He didn't have the finish in him. You know, and that's where that's where Luke Campbell came short. Whereas somebody else that has the youth and has the determination the way Brian Garcia does, Brian could be in a lot of trouble if he doesn't correct that soon. Talking about Tank Davis, Tank Davis is another talent that ha- honestly hasn't stepped over that 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 bar of saying that he's going to be the next big thing in my opinion because he's been meaning, he's been really capitalizing his career by fighting smaller guys. Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis, in my opinion, okay, and it might be, you guys might disagree with me. To me, it's a 50 50 fight. They both bring a lot of flaws. Let's not forget. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. And Gary Russell Jr. was saying it recently that Tank Davis has made his career off beating up on small guys. Uh, his only fight, let's not forget, guys, at 135 was against an uh, overaged, over the hill, uh, undersized, uh, I could keep going, but Yuri Orkis Gamboa. Here's the thing. Let's look at the lineup here. We got with the bad Achilles, right? Let's let's look at the lineup. Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, w- w- within the the young lines, Devin Haney, three guys that are not in my in my opinion are not completely proven. Okay, uh, you know, like like Tilfimo Lopez is a proven warrior already. Lomachenko. Is very proven, you know. So, so when I hear about like Lopez, I mean, when I hear about like uh, 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 Garcia, Davis, and Haley, those guys, in my opinion, are fifty-fifty among just them three. You know, those three guys right now. Let me ask you this: those three guys right now, do you pick them over Lomachenko if they were to be matched up with them at this moment? Out of those three. How many of those three guys do you think would do what Teofimo Lopez was able to do to Lomachenko? I don't think any of them would. And I'm going to sound like a scratch record with a lot of Caribbean bias, uh, but I keep bringing up Javier Fortuna. Javier Fortuna, yeah. Javier Fortuna, I'm telling you, man, he's got the southpaw stance, he's got the skills, and he's got punching power. You know, And, and... Samson Lekovic, the, 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 I think he's from Uruguay. The guy's one of the best talent scouts in boxing. This is the guy that brought Manny Pacquiao to us. Oh, this yes. is the guy that brought Mario Martinez to us. This is the guy that brought us Javier Fortuna. This guy is a good fighter, but he, he has not had the opportunities or, or the promotional muscle behind him that a lot of these other fighters have had. But he's he's good, man, I'm telling you. And I do want to acknowledge something that Jesus said, uh, that Tank beat a tall Pedraza. That's absolutely true. He did. Right. The sniper. Um, 
at that was at 1:30, and and I should not have forgotten about that fight because as I said in the chat, I was actually at that fight. It was at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and I was right there. So yeah, you great point there, my man. Yeah, I mean, I think of everything, and I think this is what makes that lightweight division just so stacked and so, you know, great. Is like I said, you have three lions that that have to prove they're hungry. You know, taking nothing away from any of these guys, you know, I want to see them make that next step, all right? And I think that next step is like what Ryan Garcia is doing. He's not calling out the two guys right now on the top of the hill. He's calling out a guy that's trying to make it to that top of the hill and, and, and take, take Davis. You know, Devin Haley's very talented, but he leaves questions out there. Devin, to me, needs to start asking for these other guys, you know, hopefully we can get Devin Haney back on leaving the ring so we can ask him questions, you know, but I think a ring robin with all these guys, especially with those three guys, you know, I think it's always going to be a 50-50 fight, you know, and then you bring in Lomachenko, uh, uh, Nakatami, you bring in uh, 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 um, uh, Teofima Lopez, I mean, bro, I mean, we have three years of great fights among all these guys. Yeah, it's it's one of the deepest divisions and most exciting divisions in the sport. The only issue is whether the politics of boxing will get in the way of some really great fights. You said it, Vasil Lomachenko. We've got Javier Fortuna. We've got, uh, I'm actually excited about George Gambrosos Jr. I want to see w- what he's able to do. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, Obviously, Davis and Lopez, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Garcia. We cannot forget about about Linares. Dude is still alive. He hasn't retired. Robert Easter. Yeah. Comey's still there. You know? Yeah, Comey's still there. Uh, For what it's worth, even Verdejo's still around. And uh, Rolando Romero is 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 a tough guy as well. So, I mean, there's so many guys. Even Yvonne Mendy, the guy that beat Campbell. Is still out there. I mean, listen here. You got Josh at 135. If Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez don't finally meet, okay, at 135 and they move up, they've even made that whole division even more crazier to keep an eye out for. Okay, honestly, that division is like the flyweight, junior flyweight division, okay, leading into the bantamweight. There are so many great fights in those two divisions. Okay, forget about the welterweight division. The welterweight division, at my my opinion right now, is stagged because of Spence. They were fighting each other. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, if Ramirez and Taylor stick around at 130, which is what I hope they do, because you know what, Terrence Crawford's problems should not be Ramirez and Josh Taylor's problems, right? No. Um, they shouldn't be compelled to move up to 147 because Terrence Crawford can't find a fight. I, I would personally love to see the winner of that fight remain undisputed and defend his title once guys like Teofimo and Haney and, and the others move up in weight. That, that, that's what I would like to see. Oh, man, you want to talk about just, uh, like I said, we honestly got like the next three, four years, man, of some really good fights just brewing up. Not just, like I said, even the heavyweight division. You got some young guns coming. We just had a kid right now. You imagine two or three years right now with that kid, Tristan 
you know, uh, uh, um, if he keeps moving up and Golden Boy slowly develops him and, and gets him the right fights to, to build his confidence and help out his skills. And Ronnie Shields, like I said before, is a very underrated trainer. Not a lot of folks give him a lot of applause because I, I, for, I don't know what, because of what, but, but Ronnie has developed good fighters. I mean, you know, even Charlos. Look, the way Charlo, the Charlo twins came out, he only works with one of them, but he was working with both of them, okay? But when they came out, they didn't honestly get the respect of fans because they were more cuties. But then when they started sitting down on their punches and started uh, uh, blowing out guys, that's when everybody's like, okay, yeah, dude, they got flaws. Every Give me a fighter that doesn't have a flaw. Just give me a fighter right now. Absolutely. I mean, he's worked with great fighters. I said earlier on about Arislandi Lara, he also worked out. With, I mean, he was the trainer of Guillermo Riondao when, when he was knocking out fools left, right, and center. I mean, the only reason Guillermo left uh, Ronnie was because he wanted to train in Miami, which has a, a, a bigger Cuban population, obviously, than, than Houston, and he right. wanted to live in Miami. But, I mean, he was he's done great things with, like, super high-level talent. No, he There's has. No he's got a great eye. He does have a really good eye, you know. Absolutely. Uh, and you want to know something too, Dave? Honestly, I think that F.A. Ajakba has regressed since leaving Ronnie Shields. I, I don't I don't think he's as good anymore. Well, he does. He has been. F.A. Ajakba has been leaving his chin out a little bit more. You know? I mean, there's so many good trainers in, in boxing. Uh, you know, that that's why I, I never really jump on the wagon of who's the best trainer of the year and all that. And I know we were supposed to do our ring, you know, our, our end of the year awards. And I've said this to you. I told you this. I really don't care for it, you know, because um, everybody does it. So it ends up like being like, you know, and I even worked on it. I just didn't bring it up here because um, I just think there's just so much more to talk about here in the sport, man. But going back with Ryan Garcia, just really quick. I definitely would like to see Ryan Garcia. I mean, look, he made a big bang, a big statement by stopping Luke Campbell. A bigger statement would be him getting in with uh, Tank Davis. It's a 50-50 fight. It really is. And you know what? Perjaza was a good, it's a good, that's a good bar of showing he can't fight a taller fighter when he's serious. When he takes the fight serious, okay? Uh, uh, even with Santa Cruz, he did take the fight with Santa Cruz pretty serious, but he was getting caught with so many right hands. But he knew what he had in front of him, which was a much, much smaller guy. Could he withstand the punches that Ryan could land? And is Tank Davis, does he come the way he was sharp, you know, with the quickness and the power the way he did with Pedraza? Not the way he did with, with Santa Cruz, because the way he looked against Leo Santa Cruz, bro, I... I I would lean more with Ryan Garcia, to tell you the truth. He ate a lot of shots, Tank Davis. I'm, I'm, lean, I'm leaning with, with Garcia, and I'm telling you that Garcia ain't going to be sitting on the ropes waiting to, 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 to eat an uppercut like like my man was uh, Santa Cruz. Um, Santa Cruz was... He was winning on the scorecards. Machismo got in the way because he was fouled, and he really shouldn't have should have taken the break. Instead, he 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 let the referee force him back into the fight. He went to the ropes, and that's never a good place to be against a short, 
a Chris Puncher like uh, Tank Davis. And one thing that Brian uh, Ryan Garcia does is he fights well tall. That he really does. He's too tall. He fights really tall. And <laughs> too tall. Got a great jab and 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 a great right hand and a great hook. Um, and that's that's problems for Tank Davis. So uh, the other thing too is he's not going to be able to land an overhand right the way that uh, that that sorry an overhand left um, from Luke Campbell. He's not going to be able to ma- match that with an overhand right because he's not as tall as as Campbell. But you know what the great thing about this fight is, David. There's a lot of questions, man, and. As fans, when we go into a fight where there's a lot of questions, those are the most exciting fights. They are. I mean, look, I, I like – this is why I think it's a 50-50 fight. Ryan still holds up his chin very high. Tank would have to work his way in because he's got short arms. But his uppercut, I think, would be the key for Ryan Garcia. When Ryan was fighting Luke, fighting Luke Campbell, I tweeted out during the fight – does, Luke, does Ryan did not see the body of Luke Campbell? That's one thing that they should go that, that that Ryan and his team should look at. They didn't invest a whole lot to the body. Ryan is a headhunter. In order to be a complete fighter, he's got to do what Canelo does, which is really paint the body to the head. He works every area. He doesn't leave any area untouched. Okay, so Ryan's got that. He's got the perfect opportunity to review tape. Talk to his trainers about this and really see that he could have made it an easier and shorter night if he would have invested in that body. The thing with Tank, though, is his size. His size could pose a lot of problems because it's intimidating. He's very wide, wide shoulder. So I tend to believe he's going to take the shots a bit better than what Luke is going to do against, you know, uh, Tank Davis against uh, Ryan Garcia. My question is, is how does Ryan react? to a strong puncher, a heavy puncher like Tank Davis. How does he react when Tank Davis traps him, at the, traps him at the rope? Because you know what? There's another thing that I'm seeing with Ryan Garcia. He doesn't have the greatest footwork in the world. He doesn't get himself out of danger immediately because he relies on that speed and that power. You know, So that's why I'm with you right there all the way, right here, eye to eye on this fight here, Mil Car. You know, when you have fights like this where you can dissect both guys' flaws and you sit there and you just kind of play it in your head, it makes to be a great fight. I hope this fight gets signed on. I hope we see it in mid of this year because it's going to be really talked about. I think this fight's going to be phenomenal if these both men can come into an agreement and face each other in the mid of the year of this year. I agree, and I really hope it happens. Um, I think it would do, do tremendous things for the sport. That That's a blockbuster fight. It's going to bring in the casuals. It's going to bring in the hardcore fans. It's going to bring in the you know the the general sports fans. Uh, it's going to bring in the celebrities. It's going to bring in the YouTubers, the young people, the older people. It's going to bring everybody together. Oh yeah. And it, it's it's other than I'm going to go out and just say this like other than the the Fury uh, Joshua fight, which we all hope will happen. I think this is the second biggest fight that could possibly take place in, in 2021. I you really know, do. The comparisons that these young fighters are trying to align themselves with, like Devin Haney tweeting out, he's like Floyd Mayweather, uh, you know, and like, and I don't think, I don't think I've seen Ryan Garcia tweeting out, he's like De La Hoya, but I know that Golden Boy is trying to 
mold him as the next golden boy, okay? Um, fighting Tank Davis, that is really honestly the route that you do because, you know, if he could beat Tank Davis, who is a big draw in his, in his home state, okay, um, that also uh, brings kind of the hip-hop, you know, like Zab Judah, you know what I mean? Where Zab brought that, that, that hip-hop feel, that inner-city kid, okay, the gritty, you know, where Ryan has some of that fakeness, man, you know, like the whole, like, oh, the Bible, I get the Bible and I read the Bible and all that. He's got that goody boy, you know, that, that Cobra Kai uh, part of him. That I just, Daniel LaRusso. The Daniel LaRusso, there you go. He's got that feel. He's a Daniel LaRusso of boxing. Yeah. Which, and, which a lot of people love to hate. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like the hypocritical Bible thumpers. You know I what don't. I mean? I don't. <laughs> I I, 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 you know, I really, I really don't. So with Tank, you want to talk about two spectrums of personalities that are across from different parts of the world. Tank Davis and 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 uh, 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 Ryan Garcia are perfect because Devin I've never, Haney. I've never heard Tank reference the Bible, the Quran, the 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 Torah. You know the the no, the he's Sanskrit. embraced the, the hip hop, the hip hop culture. He's embraced that. He's embraced all the bad boy image. Uh, you know, if you look at Tank Davis, he doesn't look like a fighter. He looks like a, a, a rapping superstar. He's got that Seriously? written all over him. Okay? So that that there versus the pretty boy, the clean-cut kid that got this corny tattoo on him because he wants to kind of dirty up the image a little bit, which is kind of <laughs> difficult to do, man, because you're not from the streets. Let's be honest. You're not from the streets, okay? Tank Davis is... I like this, and I think this is a great fight. This fight should happen, but it goes down to the promoters. What could they agree on? What is it? Where does it land on? Because in, in all honesty, this fight kind of deserves a little bit of a pay-per-view gate. You know, and I don't think this fight's going to happen if the gates are not open. If you can't have an audience to attend, this fight is going to be long far before we even see this happen. No, you're right. So... Let's hope the vaccine happens, um, you know, because this would be a bit this would be a big ticket seller, man, whether it's in the D.C. area, whether it's in Staples Center, whether it's in Vegas. I, I don't think it would happen in New York. I'm a little bit biased here. I hope it would happen here. But, you know, Texas, it goes Vegas. You, it goes Vegas. It's got to go Vegas. If everything opens up it's big, big, it's a big fight wherever it happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you Shushan said, it brings out the, the stars, you know? Yeah, Shushan Boxing says Ryan is a guy that would have been on the Wheaties box in the 1980s. I, yeah, absolutely. You know? Um, Where, really, honestly, Ryan's face should end up on the condom uh, box, kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You sounded like Teofimo Jr. right now. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, I think we're yeah. all talked out here for the Leaving the Ring segment. Oh, well, there is one thing that I did. Um, I, I got a lot of uh, Leaving the Ring emails um, talking about like, an interview that just passed. Uh, first off, mm -hmm. the, it was G-Funk that actually sent me the interview. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. And I said this a lot of times. I really, It's really rare that I listen to anybody's podcast, okay? Um. I don't know why. I just really don't. I've always been like that, you know. Um, unless you send it to me, I'll listen to whatever it is. 
Uh, but like even like YouTubers and stuff, it's 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 pretty difficult. Uh, yeah, we talked about that earlier, Jesus. Um, and uh, but this one here, it, it just raised a lot about uh, racism. Okay, and I, I I've seen a lot of people going on YouTube and on Twitter, social media, talking about uh, racism. Hot topic, Dave. Okay. Hot topic. It is a hot topic. It's a very hot topic. But, you know, my answer to a lot of folks that were sending in emails about this, asking me what my thoughts were about that interview with the barbershop kid uh, having um, Sugar Hill on and allowing his fans to come on to the platform and, and, you know, pretty much threatening the guy. And uh, what my thoughts were about that. I don't have any thoughts about that. That's his platform. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's going to do. You know what I mean? Um, we're not the police, uh, the, the internet police to stop people, okay? Um, but, you know, I, I see a lot of the division. Like, I see that there's a lot of black fans or they're saying that, you know, Hispanic fans need to play homage to, to them and then saying to the fans, like the fans, not the fighters, the fans, and vice versa, the Latinos. You know, like I, there was another video that was kind of being thrown around that uh, Mexicans call black fighters monkeys and all this stuff and so so some of the emails were like what do you think uh, what do you think about the racism now in boxing and i'm like well first off boxing was born off of racism if you if you really never watched the sport or read history of the sport boxing comes from a very dark place promoters know this they know how to pit nationalities cultures, religion against each other because it sells. If it bothers you, the racism in the sport, this is probably not the sport for you. You probably shouldn't watch it. Okay? You know, I don't let it get to me. I don't I don't like getting involved in the whole like, you know, well, this is a black guy and this is a brown guy, blah blah blah. Because you know what? The the system is has actually a, a they're they're pitting on that. You know, they bet on that. They're hoping that you guys fall into this whole like oh i'm a black guy so i gotta follow this guy i can't like white fighters i can't like mexican fighters and the same thing mexican fighters i can't like puerto ricans and i can't like black guys they're hoping that you buy into that because it sells tickets there's a lot of ignorance in the country in the world and unfortunately there's a lot of ignorance in uh amongst the boxing fandom yes um I'll give you a quick story. I was at the Radio City Music Hall. Anyone who listens to the show knows I'm a huge fan of Rigo. I was there with my sister and my cousin. And I, uh, after the fight, I got into an argument with an African-American gentleman who uh, was asking me why I was going for Rigo. And um, I was like, I like Rigo. He's a good boxer. Right. And he was like, well, you know, I, I like... I like Donaire and this is terrible and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know why you like Rigo. And I mean, you're black. Uh, Rigo's not even black. He's Cuban. And I was like, what? Like, I was like, first of all, Rigo is Cuban. This is true. But Rigo's also black. <laughs> I mean, right. anyone Rigo knows he's black. And he said, no, no, he's not black because he speaks Spanish and uh, he doesn't even speak English. I was like, bro. The majority of Africa doesn't speak English. Are you <laughs> that, that because he doesn't speak English, he can't be black? I mean, it, uh, look, Tito Trinidad was black. He's also Hispanic. 
Panama Lewis, the the infamous trainer, right? Uh, Resto was was Panamanian. That's his right. nationality. His race was black. He right. speaks Spanish, so he's Hispanic. There's just so much ignorance, man. It it gets me really upset. It's like Latinos know that you know Latinos can be white Latinos, like Ricky Martin. They could be even Asian Latinos, like uh, Alberto Fujimori, the former president of Peru. Or they right. can be black Latinos, like Celia Cruz or Roberto Clemente. The problem, honestly, is not within the Latino community. I'm just going to be honest with you. We know more about race because we come from a very multicultural, multiracial part of the right. world where there are black people, indigenous people, European people, Asian people. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so the fact that, unfortunately, I'm going to say this, a lot of uh, African-Americans are throwing so much shade at uh, Latinos uh, because they see them as so different, which in reality, there's more in common than there is of difference. Well, there's a pride thing. Look, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to defend anybody that brings in racism, okay? But I understand where a lot of these kids are coming from, okay? Um, look, I, I was born and raised in an all-Chicano community. Didn't see right. blacks, didn't see whites. I didn't see that until I got older, okay? Until I started hitting, like, high school. Um, when they started the segregation uh, again in, in the inner cities, they wanted more Latinos to intermingle with the whites and the blacks, okay? So there's a pride thing that you're, you're raised with, you know, and Nato made a great point. Boxing doesn't make racist. They don't, it doesn't create racism, okay? It's really in your community, okay? And it's a pride thing. You, when you see, uh, 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 like, if you're a, a Mexican, like my brother, Mike, Mike, I remember when Roy Jones was going for the title, uh, the heavyweight title against the weakest lead in the heavyweight division. John and, Ruiz. John Ruiz. And, and my Uncle Mario at the time, too. Uh, we're here. All, everybody was excited. We're watching pay-per-view. And I was going for the obvious, which was Roy Jones Jr., because I knew that Don Ruiz, the quiet man, was not going to get the job done. No, he was not. And I remember my uncles and my cousins there like, dude, what, are you going to go for Roy Jones? Are you serious? Why would you not root for the Mexican guy? And I had a burst of bubble. He's like, not well, even first Mexican. Off, not even Mexican, he's dude. Puerto he's Puerto Rican. So that already, I mean, you know, just... obviously like Taino background. Obviously... Yeah. Native American, but bro, he's he's anyway. It's so it's so embarrassing, so, man. So I understand the pride where it comes to you and it blinds you and stuff. And, and and but what I've always said, like I even tell my kids, like, look, it's okay to be prideful of who you are, where you come from. But just remember this: race will not get you where you want to go. I'm not giving. And what I mean by that is, like, if you're a black kid and, and, and embrace your culture, love it. But this doesn't mean you have to hate other cultures or other faces, okay? Because being black, being Mexican, being uh, uh, Irish, being whatever you are, it's right. not to pay your bills. But what I'd like my, my, my African-American brothers and sisters to do is to like actually look into the history of the sport, right? A right. kid chocolate, kid chocolate from right. Cuba. It's a black man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's in his fucking name, right? Yeah. He's also Latino, obviously, because he speaks Spanish, and his 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 slave masters were were Spanish people from Spain. 
mm-hmm. but he's a black man, right? Yes. There are plenty of Latino fighters that are black. It's just always been the case. Yes. Whether it's you know, or even Felix Verdejo right now. Felix Verdejo is no less black than Beyonce, Jay-Z, or any of these people. You know what I mean? And, and I, I just don't understand why this division has started and has been created out of absolutely nothing. It's literally out of absolutely nothing, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, but like I said, look, if you think boxing is racist, well, then you haven't paid attention. It's always been racist, okay? Many Pacquiao yeah. fans were very racist towards Latinos. Uh, oh, very much so. Let me, let me tell you this, okay? Paul Williams, who, phenomenal fighter. Uh, we used to get him on all the time here on Leaving Ring before the accident. And, and, and I, I remember Imagine. one thing that Paul Williams just wasn't getting the credit. He wasn't bringing in, he couldn't draw the crowd. And I remember him, it, it go back, and, and this is a receipt you can find on Leaving the Ring, is he really complained about African-American fans. He said, hey, they don't support us the way the Latino fans support their, their fighters or the way UK, UK fans support, you know? So maybe that's why the trend is out. You know, maybe that's why the trend right now that African-Americans feel they have to back up their guy no matter what, which is a great thing. It's a great thing. But don't don't fall in. This is even for Latinos, okay? Or even for Asian fans and stuff, for anybody, okay? Don't fall into that pit, that dark pit of the sport where you think you have to hate the other guy because he's different. You're missing a big part, big part of the beauty of this sport. This is a world sport. That's Internet, what it is. Sport, global sport. And what I always try to, to tell everybody, and I tell this to my students, I tell this to my friends, I tell this to everybody, don't look for things that make us different all the time. Right. It's also important to look at things that make us, you know, very similar as human beings. Right. Absolutely. The majority Absolutely. of us are working people. We're getting stomped on by the man for letter for lack of a better word. Yep. You know, the capitalist neoliberal system that we all live under and Absolutely. all struggle under and mm-hmm. all try to survive under. We're all brothers and sisters, man. We're all working people here. Mm-hmm. So let, let's get together and let's unite and let's move forward. Like all of these little divisions, it, it, it's terrible. It is. You know, there's there's no there's no wrong in a little banter between fans like, you know, if you like Teofimo Lopez and you like uh, Lomachenko or if you like Manny and, you, you know, you know what I mean? There's no, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's nothing wrong with debating whose fighter is going to win a fight. But when you, when you get clouded with thinking that, well, because, you know, my fighter's black and he blah, 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 and all black, the Latinos wouldn't have gotten anywhere if it wasn't for blacks and blah, blah, blah. Then you, you honestly, you fall off, you fell off the edge. And that's when my ears close because I'm like, eh. you fell off the edge, and you also have no sense of actual history. Like the New York, uh, the Cubans, uh, we're in the Negro leagues, bro. It's like of baseball. Like what? Are, what are we talking about? It's you know, I, in the past episode, I was asking people to throw me these 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 YouTube channels so I could kind of go on and school people. But I almost think like they don't even want to 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 to, to know. Um, I feel like they just benefit from the fact that they've got the little ignorant fan base that jumps onto their shows and that uh, relishes living in the hate. Mm-hmm. You it's know, sad. because it's sad, man. You know, it's very sad. It's sad. It's very sad. 
You know, even uh, with that that interview uh, with that guy um, and having the, the kids that came on, okay? And I'm calling them kids because I'm probably old enough to be their dad, you know? <clears throat> That's why. No disrespect. I'm not calling them a ki- kids because of that, you know? Because they are kids to me. Um, these kids are going on there, and, and you guys were literally threatening and insulting a, a, another man of color, you know? A, a working man. A man that had a fight to get where he's at, you know, that was under the tutelage of a great trainer. You you, right. you you literally embarrassed not just your community, all communities. Right. Know? And you're training, Dave, a guy who's from an ethnic minority group in Europe that has faced like significant dem- uh, 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 discrimination. Absolutely. I'm talking about the gypsies. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we need to get out of that mindset. You know, yeah. being a thug and thinking that that's okay for us to 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 use intimidation. I'm not just talking about the black community, Hispanic community. We do the same thing. Like, you know, it's sad to see. I see kids arguing about, you know, uh, uh, you know, oh, my gang is better, and I'm in this. You know, oh, my homeboys. It's like that's. Is that where we're at as a people? Is that what we were striving, you know, uh, striving for? You know, no, it's not. The important thing about all of this, Dave, and maybe we'll have to do this as a separate upload where we kind of do a deep dive into this, but right. all of this only benefits one one group, and it's the ruling class. Right. Uh, we're talking about the 1%. We're talking about the, the class of people that's running the country, that's exploiting every last one of us. That's denying people health care and housing and food security and everything else because they get us bickering amongst one another about these trivial ass things, man. It, it <laughs> absolutely know? does. It ab- and like I said, there is no wrong. There is no there's no hurt in having some banter between each other uh, of saying, OK, well, my fighter, you know, could do this. blah blah. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you start bringing in whose race or culture is more superior that's that now you're not even talking about about boxing no No, and we we gotta we gotta end this man Um, absolutely yeah same here um all right guys thanks for joining us um i know milk won't be here next week on monday but i will be uh so uh, i'll see you guys next week don't drink your drive because you will spill your beer oh man Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. Thanks to our community here, and uh, we'll be back soon. I'm going to be uploading too uh, in in the uh, ride home from work hours. Let's just call it. Really? Got to get this podcast. Yeah, Dave. I'm thinking about uploading on like uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Eastern, just going through the daily shit in boxing, um, just to kind of hone my craft a little bit and get better at what we're doing every day. Yeah, you need to start sending in that audio. You got a lot of folks asking when it's going to be on the uh, rotation there, buddy. Oh, absolutely. I'll get that to you for sure. All right, folks. Well, you guys all take care, man, and uh, I truly enjoyed this show. And I hope to speak to everybody next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Caballero.